He thought he was in control. How wrong he was. media and i'm joined here with stefan that's me and you're tuning into the dark side driving which is our horror theme podcast where we cover movies from the 80s sometimes 70s and sometimes 90s uh and so we just made it out of the uh Samhain season we did our little um spectacular special for the silent sunday we attended we're you know coming out hot going into uh going into the turkey season so i'm pretty excited <laughs> sorry i did yeah you're Signing like the turkey off. season i was like what is that like i was yeah, like oh I was yeah just, i guess yeah. that is what it is yeah yeah i feel weird calling it like thanksgiving um why I mean, they're making <laughs> well because like they're making that horror movie with it so you'll get it i guess so wait that one the one that was it's like eli roth did like a fake trailer for grindhouse yeah. and they're actually yeah. gonna make it you know okay so take this however you want to take it I'm kind of disappointed because the trailer had it done in like that grainy, like 90s style, like like 80s or 90s style, like film stock kind of thing. Yeah. But it looks like it's just shot like a regular movie. Like I was hoping they would lean into that, that like fake, like, uh, like actual film stock kind of look and that they aren't. It's just like played straight. And I don't, I don't know if I like that. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to tweet them. So get them, get them, folks. Just tweet at them. Well, I had something special today. Um, I, I wanted to come up with some kind of segment or bit that was reoccurring uh, that we could do uh, an open with, and um, I think I found it. So I have uh, four games, and we'll rotate through. So this week we're doing trivia. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I, this is all I, this is a random poll, so I didn't pick this ahead of time. So let me know when you're ready. Sure, I'm as ready as I've ever been. Okay. In which 1965 movie are five horror stories linked by the mysterious Dr. Shrek, played by Peter Cushing? Uh. Sixty-five. Is it uh, buckets of blood? Guess is buckets of blood. So here's what I want you, everyone listening, here's what I want you to do. Go to our socials. Probably Facebook will be the easiest one. I'm going to put the question on our group. Give a guess. I'm sure you're going to Google it and cheat, but it's fine. Give a guess, and then we'll we'll tell the answer next week. We'll uh, reveal the answer. So, yeah, I think it's a fun little way of just trying to get people you know, involved and stuff. But I actually thought you would have the answer right away. Oh, yeah, no, I... Um... I'm not as good at the when this if the '60s horror is all the other decades around it. All right, well that was our uh, first ever trivia question, and uh, so what are we getting into today, Stefan? Oh yeah, uh, we are going to be talking about Maniac Cop, oh, a movie yeah. that suggests, hey, what would happen if a cop like killed people? <laughs> 
So yeah, there you go. It's in a 1988 kind of basically just a slasher, but with you know the idea is the cop is the slasher villain sort of thing. That's a that's about it. That's the elevator pitch for that entire thing. Yeah, and um, I mean, we'll get into it in the plot, but there's a lot of like uh, back and forth if it even is a cop. So I, this is a pretty cool movie. I'm pretty excited to get into it. Um, some pretty uh, heavy hitters were uh, cast for this. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to dig into it. But before we go to the uh, you know, cast and crew, um, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to bring up or any uh, housekeeping you wanted to get into. I can't tell if you're trying to cue me up for something specific that I've forgotten about or if you're just no, asking I'm me. Just, I'm just asking you. Okay, yeah, no, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I don't okay. have anything in mind. I, I I think that, like, at this point, it's almost a running gag that I've never finished those uh, reviews that I was writing for the, for <laughs> Unwelcome and for, uh, yeah, for uh, the last voyage of the Demeter. At this point, it's almost funnier to not do them and just, like, yeah. let it live for a thousand years without being done. There's like one person that keeps checking our website. By the way, we have a website uh, and they keep refreshing the page. It just doesn't show up. Hoping for that. Hoping for that yeah. review to roll in one day. One day. Yeah. Keep keep the dream alive. It'll it'll happen. They could subscribe to the website. I still have no idea what that does, but I'm assuming it would tell you if the reviews ever dropped. So stop bringing that up. Stop bringing up the idea of the subscribe when you don't know what it does. That's so weird. There's like, like I click subscribe and there's literally nothing I can do with it. So I don't know if there's some feature I need to click or something, but yeah, but yeah, we have a website dynamismedia.com. It's kind of where we uh, keep all of our stuff in one place. So if you're interested in other things that we get into um, like AGB streaming, he's still going strong. Um, Sir Cheddarsworth's Roundtable is coming back, so they're going to be posting episodes soon. The Tilt is on permanent hiatus, and I think Backlogged might be on hiatus. But we have some more stuff cooking the pipeline I think everyone will like. Um, but definitely more to come on that probably next year. Put on. But yeah, I think, uh, I think we've kind of talked enough about what we've been up to. Why don't we get into the cast and crew? Let us do that exact thing. So, um, <laughs> what? I'm trying to keep my energy levels up because, like, a peek behind the curtain, it is uh, kind of later than we usually do this. So, You're nocturnal. I don't even want to hear it. Well, I'm not tired. Oh, okay. Thank you. But you, you might be. I, I am. Yeah. So there you go. That's why I'm trying to do my. I'm doing big energy so that I keep. I uh, it'll rub off on you. I'll give you my strength. Get that big dick energy. Is that what I? You're doing? I hate. That you just said that, and I hope you cut that out because that is gross. Like we have families that listen to this. But anyways, yeah, it's my energy. I was thinking more like Goku sharing like energy for the spirit bomb or something. I wasn't thinking that, but okay, thank you. Um, uh, now my now I'm all off. Okay, so what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, the director of this film, getting into the cast and crew. Uh, this is directed by William Lustig. Um, who has like a, a a lot more producing credits than he does uh, for directing? Um, it's kind of interesting. I really think of him a lot like um, like a cohort of um, like Roger Corman and, uh, and and to a certain extent Larry Cohen, who's also involved in this. Like how they they produce things, and so like their influence is kind of felt uh, outside of uh, just the films that they are like directly involved in. Um, 
And if anyone's interested, there was actually an episode of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs where he had an interview with William Lustig. And let me tell you what a cinephile that dude had like so much to share about the world of filmmaking. So like, I can't remember which episode it was. It might've actually been a maniac cop episode. Cause I'm pretty sure shutter had a uh, episode where they did maniac cop for the, the last drive in. Um, but yeah, as far as directing credits for William Lustig though, uh, he did maniac. Uh, so he really likes the word maniac. He puts in two different titles. Uh, Vigilante, uh, Hit List, Relentless, um, the other two Maniac Cops, Maniac Cop 2 and Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence. Uh, and I think his most recent credit is actually 1996's Uncle Sam, if you remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was now that was one in the video rental store that would catch the eye because it had one of those like where it uh, it it was like um, like holographic, like when you moved it, it would like change right. the image and it would be like Uncle Sam. Like, I want you. And then when it, you change it, it's like to die. You remember that? Yeah, like it had like the scratchy front, like the. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it's like, I want you. I want you dead. That's what it was. I just looked it up. Yeah, really I want quick you to dead. See. yeah. So like, yeah, that was that is one of those movies that like, oh, man, it is absolute garbage, but I love it. <laughs> and that's that's another one that like people have recommended that we do for the for the podcast. But the problem is. Man, 1996 is really pushing that envelope, like really pushing us into like the 90s realm. Yeah, what are we going to do next? The 2000s? Jeez. Well, no, because then it's going to be CGI and I'm going to hate every second of it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Uncle Sam, check it out if you want to watch trash cinema. Next up is The Writer, and it's a familiar face. It's Larry Cohen, the uh, director and writer of The Stuff, our very first episode. Um, so I probably don't have to go through a lot of his credits just because I feel like I covered it pretty thoroughly whenever we were f- were doing it for the stuff. Um, you know, some big hitters like uh, Q, the Winged Serpent, uh, the other two Maniac Cop movies, Uncle Sam as well. Uh, it's Alive 3, Island of the Alive, which I brought up last time, <laughs> uh, a return to Salem's Lot. So, yeah, Larry Cohen is a uh, prolific writer and director, so we've talked about him. I kind of want to do Q, the Winged Serpent for our podcast at some point. I'm just going yeah, to take a peek behind the curtain there and just say, I, I really like Q the Winged Serpent. I, I feel it's really a movie that just feels to me like Larry Cohen, like uh, got a helicopter for the weekend and just wanted to do a bunch of like panning shots of New York. Like he really loves that New York skyline. He really does. And I'll, we'll get, we'll get into <laughs> that, but yeah. Yeah. So um, next up is music. It's uh, Jay Chataway. And I got to say, I, I actually kind of like, there's like a specific theme in this it's kind of mournful and unexpected like it's not what you usually expect out of this like a lot of times you'll just get those basic tones but mm-hmm. uh i really i really thought he was doing a lot with like the the theme that he had that was clearly intended to be for the cop the maniac cop right. i mean so some of his stuff is is actually some things we've already mentioned for uh william lustig and then you know maniac uh vigilante missing in action i think he did three missing in action movies because i also saw braddock which is like missing in action three silver bullet the stephen king werewolf adaptation with gary Busey, uh invasion usa uh a couple of star trek series it looks like uh, deep space nine voyager and enterprise um and then he also did a masters of horror episode which i think it was actually one that was larry cohen's but i'm don't quote me on that but I know that they're frequent collaborators, so I would not be surprised. He did Next Generation too. Did he do TNG? I didn't. Uh, man, I missed that. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, because everyone knows that 
you know, everyone talks about uh, Kirk or Picard, but you know, <laughs> I, I'm always about that Janeway. So I'm Voyager, baby. Are we going to get into that again? Did we already do that? Yeah, I think I've yes. already talked about this. Yes. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. Janeway all day. What she had to deal with, man. No, 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 the other captain's gonna tell it. <laughs> so you know one like I never really got was Deep Space Nine. But we don't have to get into this, but it's very different uh, for a Star Trek show because it has a lot of like um, aspects of like uh, spirituality and religion, like that part of culture that they usually stay away from and kind of stick to like the science part of science fiction. Yeah, um, because it's like what uh, the main character in that Cisco, he's like accidentally like a Bajoran like. Um, like there's a word for what he is, but he like accidentally had a vision of their gods and he's like now a holy figure for them. So he gets like really involved in like, like a prophet. Yeah. I think it is a prophet. It's something like that. I, I thought it was like visitor or something like that, but whatever it is, it's, it's, it's way more involved with all of that. And then the fact that it's set on like just a space station kind of means that the stories kind of have to go a different direction. Cause you don't have the mm -hmm. same like planet hopping sort of thing you get into with the other ones. That's fair. Oh, sorry, I was leaving it open there in case you had something you wanted, something more you want to no, say about I, Deep Space Nine. No, I think uh, I think Next Generation is the best one. We should move on. All right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do love Next Generation. It's just Voyager just has a special place in my heart. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else to say about music, um, we'll move on to the actors. And it says here in my notes, top billing, Frank McRae is played by Tom Atkins. America's cop. One of Pittsburgh's, yeah, one of Pittsburgh's favorite sons. One and only Tom Atkins. My profile picture on, on, on Facebook <laughs> is me with him. I have a signed picture of him from Night of the Creeps right next to me here. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm guessing you're a fan. I might be. Did I, I think I, I mentioned this in a text to you is that my phone now, uh, I type Tom Atkins so much that as soon as I start typing Tom, it wants to autocorrect to Tom Atkins. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is, you know, maybe technology can be used for good after all. So yeah, the phone's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. He, he's in a, a lot of things. I kind of cut down the list to just like some, some big hits. Cause he's in a lot of John Carpenter stuff and everything. So I hit up with uh, uh, Tarantula's Deadly Cargo. Uh, the Fog, The Ninth Configuration. I brought up Escape from New York just because we kind of talked about that. And I was like, because we were kicking around the possibility of doing a Tom Atkins block. We I don't know if that's fully formed, but you had mentioned Escape from New York. It's like his role is not big enough in that. I must have Tom Atkins starring roles only. Yeah, um, I, just, I just love that movie. So it's it, a good if movie. I could, yeah. If I could somehow work that in to like a. <laughs> I don't know how it because it doesn't fit what we do at all, but not really. Yeah, it's more like, yeah, kind of, you know, sci fi dystopian like, sci fi yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. What else we got here? Creep show Halloween three season of the witch. My favorite Halloween movie, which is a hot take night of the creeps uh, Two evil eyes, which was I think it was a John Carpenter collaboration with Dario Argento. I want to say he's definitely one of the uh, Italian giallo filmmakers. You're um, correct. OK, and cool. And George Romero. See, I can get I can get that stuff right, but I can't uh, remember the name of an anthology movie that I've never heard of. From 1965 that are yeah. five horse stories linked by mysterious Dr. Shrek. Sorry, okay. Peter Cushing. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> the movie I said isn't even an anthology, and it's also a bucket of blood, but whatever. Okay, getting back into this. <laughs> uh, sh uh, striking Distance, which I only bring up because it's a <laughs> Pittsburgh-based movie. Isn't it like the one where Bruce Willis is like a boat cop or something? 
Yeah, it's really good. It is good, yeah. The more recent My Bloody Valentine, he's in that as like the sheriff, I believe. Uh, Drive Angry. And then more recently, I, I I brought up the he was in an episode of the Creep Show TV series, the one on uh, on Shutter. Um, the new so one. He's, yeah, 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 yeah. He was in. I think he's in a first season episode. So I think there's four seasons now. But they kind of like one year they released two seasons in one year, and then all of 2022 they didn't, and then they just released a se- season this year. So I think that's how it worked. I think they had two seasons in 2021, but don't quote me on that. So that's really all I had for Tom Atkins. Just love the man so much, but I didn't want to like go, go on and on for a thousand years about him, <laughs> but he has other credits and sometimes he comes to steel city con. So if you ever, if you see that he's on the list, meet up with him. He's kind of a little harder of hearing now as he's older, but he's like a super nice guy. Very, very welcoming. All right. Next up is Jack Forrest as played by Bruce Campbell. Who's that What's, guy? <laughs> two heavy hitters. In one movie, the stars have gone uh, black because the, all of the stars are here on the screen. Wait, hold on. That's not how it goes. The skies will be black because all the stars are on the screen. That's what it is. There you go. I got it. Use take two. Cut um, one. Cut it in one. Yeah, cut out the part where I messed it up and then just pretend I did it right. Um, I also, almost don't even have to mention Bruce Campbell's stuff because he's so famous, but I'll just go through like the Evil Dead's. You know, Army of Darkness, um, Bubba Hotep, a fun movie. Uh, my name is Bruce. Uh, he, he showed up at the end of the Evil Dead remake. Uh, he was in, I think he was in even Evil Dead Rise, like on a recording. I think his voice, he's credited with voice for that. Uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead, the TV show. He's in the Evil Dead video game. And I think also they did an Evil Dead tie in with um, Dead by Daylight, right? I yes. feel like everything, everything's in Dead by Daylight at this point. Like that thing's been around for so long. And it's kind of killing other asynchronous multiplayer well, horror games because of that. No, they had their own game. No, they, they have had, both. Yeah, but I, I think, yes. Yeah, they have both. A, they have a, a Dead by Daylight tie-in for Evil Dead, and then they have Evil Dead the game. And that, the reason I bring that up is because the Evil Dead game, they've already announced they're not going to do new content for it. Because it's hard to get like an asynchronous multiplayer yeah, horror game off the ground impossible. now. Yeah. yeah. Because like we've talked before about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I love it, but I feel like it's only a matter of time before that one gets shut down. And that's a smaller studio, too. Right. So, but yeah, so it's, it's just because I think Dead by Daylight has just been around for so long and has so many tie-ins. That it's like almost undefeatable at this point. Um, and I think the, the only other thing I brought up for Bruce Campbell was Burn Notice. I love that show. I think it's super good. And he's Sam Axe in that. So he's in one movie that I think it's worth mentioning and it's called My Name is Bruce and it's like a self-aware like mock I don't even know how to describe it it's kind of a horror movie but it's, it's like a it, three amigos sort of thing isn't it like where yeah. he gets called to a small town to be like they're like oh he's a hero on TV therefore he will be a hero in right. real life yeah but he plays himself which is great yeah sorry I thought I mentioned that one but yeah I had it on my list as My Name is uh, Bruce maybe you did I'm and, sorry um, I think I just blew by it because I was going through Evil yeah. Dead stuff. So, but yeah, that that movie is is super cool. I, I is that streaming anywhere? It's got to be right. Uh, it was. I don't know where it is now. It used to be on um, Netflix, but um, but they lost all their good movies. I'm honestly like on the verge of just canceling. Well, it's Netflix. like thirty bucks now. I know, and I can't even. And the thing that made me super mad is I only shared my Netflix with one person, and it is my mom, and we like made arrangements now where we put her like house in my name. So like, I technically own that house. So why is that another household? It's mine. I I just want to share Netflix with my mom and they won't let me. 
Like, yeah, I don't know. It's wild uh, to me. It's, the other thing, though, it's like there's so many devices, right? So, like, like it's on every TV in my house. It's on every TV in my mom's house. And I think my grandparents have it. So, at any point in time, there could be, like, five people watching it. So, I have to... I, I don't even want to... Yeah, I don't even want to get into streaming stuff too because yeah. like the I just got a notification from uh Max, like the formerly HBO Max, now just Max with uh mm-hmm. worse content. Um, so they sent me a thing, it's like, hey, you'll not only be able to watch on two screens simultaneously instead of three. And I'm like, that might be a problem because that one, my Max, so many people have it, dude. I don't even know how many people have it. Like I, I swear, like it's like my like my mom has it. Like uh, my uh, friend of the show, uh, friends of the show, Jason and Jared, like their parents have it. Like I've given out my Max to so many people. And if like it, if they crack down on that, I'm just like, maybe I should just cancel it. Tell everyone to fend for themselves. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, you're so, toast. Yeah, it's over. And there's even some people I know that I, I gave it to. And I was like, I think we're at our profile limit. So can you just use my profile? So sometimes when I like fire up my Max and go into my profile, it'll be random shit. I definitely didn't watch. <laughs> It's just there now. I'm like, this is awesome. I like that. though. That's the thing about like streaming services is I want to share it with people. And it is upsetting that they're doing all these measures to keep us from doing it. It's like, it's not our fault that you put all your eggs in this weird basket. And now you don't know how to properly like monetize it. Like it just, it feels like the, this, the uh, streaming services are punishing us for their mistakes. Yeah. Right. So anyways, this has been our, uh, corner talking about streaming services uh and also my name is bruce is not anywhere it's it's just gone it's not it's, it's gone not from it. the world yeah it's gone from the world now like, yeah you'll have to purchase it if you want to get it all right where was i at? oh yeah that was bruce campbell covered him uh next up is Teresa mallory as played by laureen landon um she's even like active in like horror like modern low budget horror today it was actually funny i didn't expect to see that so for some of her like hits that I, I pulled out here was uh, Airplane 2, uh, Hundra, Yellow Hair in the Fortress of Gold, The Stuff, uh, America 3000. She was also in It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. I want to see that movie. I've never seen any of the It's Alive movies, but I, like, I feel like I have to see that one. Um, she is in Maniac Cop 2, but not Maniac Cop 3, so that probably doesn't bode well for her fate in that film. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was in uh, Drive, uh, Samurai Cop 2, Deadly Vengeance. Uh, Amityville cop, which I don't know what that is, but Amityville, I guess is like a property that anyone can make movies about. So there's just tons of Amityville movies out there. Uh, she was in clown motel Two, which again, I don't know what that is, but I'm so curious. Uh, and then the devil's left hand was like one that she made this year. So she's still like churning out like, like, uh, horror films, even, even now. Um, was there anything that she had that I missed that you might have noticed? Because I know sometimes you, I kind of skim over these things. Just no, no, no. I, I think that was good. Like, uh, there's some on here that 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 people would probably know. But all right, yeah. back to where we were. Commissioner Pike, as played by Richard Roundtree, <laughs> love seeing him in this role. He's so good. <laughs> it's always so awesome. Uh, so many things he's in, like any Shaft movie, basically. Even the most recent one, he he plays is like uh one of it's like a generational shaft thing he's in it he's Uh, a dad senior shaft senior shaft senior yeah exactly so yeah shaft's big score shaft in africa shaft tv series uh the samuel jackson shaft from like 2000 i think is when that one came out so yeah if it's shaft yeah he's in there um he's got a earthquake uh he was also in q the winged serpent which is another reason to watch q the winged serpent (laughs) um 
he had to put murder she wrote because of course uh the beauty and the beast tv show the one with like ron perlman um was it uh amityville a new generation like i said there's just tons of amityville movies out there eventually everyone's gonna be in them we'll be in them soon enough um seven love seven real real gross movie in some ways um yeah for sure yeah steel the shaquille o'neal movie blade the series i don't know if you remember that series from like the mid to late 2000s I yeah i actually like that show that was pretty good um and then the only other thing i put down was speed racer because wasn't it you who was telling me recently that speed racer is like underrated and a lot of people don't get that and i was like i agree i finally got around to watching it and i agree that it's I, underrated i can confirm it was not me but i can also confirm that it was it is underrated okay yeah i don't know who it was that said that but yeah it's a pretty um, good show the what speed racer the movie the yeah i'm sorry, sorry. I'm yeah yeah i was gonna say that i mean the show's fine yeah <laughs> but I, that's I, a very different thing all right anything else for richard roundtree i mean he has a huge career but like i wanted to hit the big ones for him i would say for the next guy will smith <laughs> okay yeah captain ripley is played by william smith oh uh, isn't this embarrassing it's not that one it's not that will smith it's not the guy that slapped that guy nope it's not the guy who slapped the other guy and everyone uh... talked about it nonstop for way too long um he has so many like low budget horror movies like especially like, exploitation and stuff like that movies uh i picked up a few so there's black samson uh any which way you can the sequel to any which way but lose um conan the barbarian he played conan's dad uh red dawn you know we love we love red dawn in this household we do um hell comes to Frogtown, which we got to do that at some point. I love Hell Comes to Frogtown. Um, Legend of the Rollerblade 7. Manosaurus, which I think the tagline for that is part man, part dinosaur. It's like the Velocipaster before Velocipaster. Like this movie <laughs> walked so that Velocipaster could run, you know? Yeah. Uh, he was also in Uncle Sam. So you love to see it. This one is called Debbie Does Damnation. And it looks like there's a demon in it. And it's like, what is this? Uh, Zombie Geddon. Uh, and then the, his most recent credit was Island of the Witches. And I believe he has passed away. So that'll be his last credit. Um, let me double check. I think, yeah, he did pass away, though. Yes. Yeah, he died in 2021. So, Dude, do you know what Debbie Does Damnation is? No, I just thought it was a funny title. Okay. What is it? It's not porn, is it? Kind of. Uh I'm usually way more careful about the movies that I when it's I see like in some ways. Debbie does Dallas, dude. Yeah, but I thought that it, it would be like a bit. No. Uh, well, Debbie goes to hell after she commits suicide. Oh my god, that's gross. What is? I regret bringing that up. Yeah. Well, you know that's why that's why I've got to. I usually just go through lists and just pick names, and this is why I should probably curate that list a little <laughs> bit better. All right. On that note, next up is our titular maniac cop, uh, Cordell, right? It's um, Matt Cordell. Matt Cordell. Yeah. As played by Robert Zadar, who um, like real scary looking in this because he's got all his like face wounds and stuff like that. Um, and apparently he gets like typecast as villains very frequently because uh, he has like a, a form of cherubism, um, which is why his, his cheeks kind of look like that. Um, but by most accounts, I guess he's like a really sweet guy. So it's kind of a bummer that he's often been typecast in villainous roles. 
Um, some of his uh, good good hits here is uh, the Night Stalker, Grotesque, Evil Alter. Uh, obviously, the other two Maniac Cop movies. You can't have a Maniac Cop movie without your Maniac Cop. Uh, Soul Taker, Beastmaster 2 Through the Portal of Time, uh, Samurai Cop. Uh, he's in Frogtown 2, which is the first I ever knew there was a sequel to Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> uh, Frankenblade, Future War, also Zombiegeddon. So he got to hang out with our man, William Smith, uh, super hell. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like it sounds pretty metal. If it's super hell, it's nice. It's like regular hell, but even better. His character's uh, name is granny Bob. In what? Super hell. Yeah. I, I would, I would love some context for that. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing it, it was, a it looked like a, a holiday themed horror movie is called Easter Sunday. And he's been in a lot of other things. I was just pulling out a few big big hits for him so when i was doing some research for this um apparently uh he's a uh or he was a chippendale dancer so he was like so they did the scene with him in the shower in this maniac cop where he fights off the prison like like getting murdered or whatever and uh yeah apparently he was like insisted he just yeah i'll just do it naked like don't worry about it <laughs> i'm so comfortable just, with that <laughs> yeah they said he was like no shame at all like he's like real like like a, I don't know, self-aware, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's like, his he's jacked. Like the dude, the dude yeah. looked like he could like literally fight people in a shower. So I'm not very surprised by that. But that's funny. <laughs> yeah, because that scene it kind of comes out of nowhere, and it's just like this dude just like fighting naked in the shower, just like and honestly doing pretty well for a while. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, it doesn't go well for long. But <laughs> all right, and the last person in the cast that I was gonna bring up, and I told you I skipped a few cast members in this just to kind of keep us moving um but i uh i put down uh sally noland is played by sherry north she i guess like was um had played like marilyn monroe in some stuff or took roles that were intended for marilyn monroe or something like that some of the more interesting ones for her were uh the lieutenant wore skirts uh the best things in life are free in love and war the shootist which is a what that's a john wayne movie right um Rabbit mm-hmm. Test, Susan's Plan, uh, tons of TV credits. Uh, I put down Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, and Freddy's Nightmares. Uh, and then she's also in a couple episodes of Seinfeld. I just like to bring up Freddy's Nightmares. That's a pretty cool show that, at least I remember it being cool. It probably sucks <laughs> if I were to watch it now, but I, I remember it being cool. And then Matlock I brought up because it's not the episode with the ghost, but they ever I always, I always bring up that episode of Matlock with the ghost. <laughs> And I'm not sure if it's real, but I'm convinced as, that as everyone should. <laughs> I'm convinced that there's an episode of Matlock with a ghost, and I and no need... one's gonna check us. No, or, or Matlock. So, well, Andy Griffith is dead, so hey. that's well. If, I guess if he's a ghost, yeah, he can still represent me in court. <laughs> Solid. All right. Well, and like I said, I skipped a few people in the cast list. Was there anybody that you saw that you wanted to bring up, other than that? One cop with the mullet and mustache that we talked about before recording. Yeah, Fowler. He's in he's in the movie for a minute and a half and then <laughs> dies. But I swear to God, I've seen him in something and I looked up his credits and it's I've never I've never seen a damn yeah. thing he's in yet. It's really weird. It's so funny. Like usually, like you you have to work to do that. Like, but he's yeah. like got so many credits and I think I've seen none of them. It's so funny. I think the only notable person is uh, Jill Gatsby. That's uh, Larry Cohen's daughter, correct? Yeah, and she's in a lot of his movies, and he kills her in every one of them. So, yes, whenever, whenever he has his daughter in a movie, 
he makes sure to kill her. <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. Um, and I believe that she was the first victim in this, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be mistaken because she was I, I blonde in this, but she has dark hair now. But also it's been, it's been like 35 years since it's for sure her. I just looked it up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she, she's the first victim. Yeah. Yeah. She could have changed her hair color over the course of three decades, Maybe. almost four decades. All right. Well, then I guess if we're not going to bring up anyone else in the cast, we can move on to the plot description. Before we start with our opening credits, we have to have a weird Troma logo with like a fake looking city line, skyline. I did not understand why that happened. They, they, before the actual production logo started, there was like a Troma one. I don't know if they had distribution rights or something, but it yeah, was Yes, so I'm assuming bad. money. Yeah, well, yeah, money is almost always involved. Um, I actually kind of liked the opening credits for this movie. So it was like really kind of minimalist, like, you know, you know, white, white text on black screen um at first but then it turns into like cordell like getting himself ready with like you know putting on his tie clip you know loading his pistol which he never shoots <laughs> um right. yeah like putting his like handcuffs in their little holster and stuff like that and every time he would do like one action it would like freeze frame and then they would add another credit to another person who was in either in the movie or on the crew or, or you know director all that stuff and i thought that was pretty cool and they kind of like got a lot of mileage out of the like I said, the theme song to this, which is kind of mournful and interesting, like not what you'd expect from like an 80s slasher kind of thing. No, but it works because it kind of matches the character of like what's going on, kind of. No, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting, interesting opening. And of course, I was excited because Tom Atkins has top billing. But it just goes to show just because you have top billing doesn't mean you'll make it all the way through the movie. Oh, spoiler. Spoiler alert. Um <laughs> Yeah, so what else? Yeah, I actually put in my notes like, why is he loading the gun? He never uses it. And he also puts like all those like, what is it? The one of those loader things for like a revolver. Like you put the bullets into the thing and yeah, then so you can load, load it. Yeah, so you can quick load it. It's like, again, he has like three at least that I could see like sets of like revolver ammo. He'll never use that. And then when we open up, we see like from like the water, like the New York skyline. Um, interesting fact. Uh, this is before 2001, so the Twin Towers were there. So that's what I wanted to bring up. It's just so strange, and I, we're not gonna. I don't want to get into this deeply, but um, do you want to talk about 9/11 on our fun horror movie podcast? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. What? Yeah, shocker. Uh, but it's so jarring seeing those towers, especially if you like have seen them like in real life, and then they're not there now. If you've been to New York recently, <laughs> you know, in the last. <laughs> 20 recently 22 yeah. years no but uh it, it was honestly like i saw them and i was like oh my god like, it was jarring for me i don't know no i mean it, it stands out they're big buildings <laughs> like this yeah. is yeah they it, they dominate the skyline and it's very funny because that was such a symbol of new york for a really long time um but yeah let's not talk about 9-11 anymore um 
Oh, and there's like fake lightning happening, <laughs> like animated fake lightning. I'm like, yeah. well, do you need this? And, it, and I actually thought it was funny because so we cut to the actual city and our first victim, the the uh, the woman who's like working at this bar is leaving it. Um, you know, there's like guys that I guess are probably like patrons who are trying to get her to go to after hours clubs or offer a ride. And she says she'll take her chances with the muggers, which guess what? She is going to find muggers. Um, almost instantly. Almost. Yeah. Like with <laughs> with alarming rapidity. But I, I did think it was very funny, though, because. I've remarked before that most of the time when I see 1980s New York in a movie, it's like wet. And I talk yeah. about that a lot, but this time there is lightning, but it isn't wet. So it was like really Liars. throwing me for a loop here. William Lustig, you know, you know that I wanted wet New York and instead I got dry New York with a lightning storm on the way. <laughs> um, yeah. So she's walking and she gets accosted by two dudes from stoops. Like I think one is like on a lower stoop and grabs her leg and one's for an upper one and jumps down there. Uh, and they try to mug her, but like uh, she puts up a fight, dude. Like, I did not expect this fight to go down like this. Um, like, she's, like, full-on, like, throwing her legs up against, like, a fence and, like, pushing them back against cars and, like, hitting them with her bag. And then she, she like, runs away. But, like, I guess, you know, mugging is a numbers game. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be closing. So they follow her for a really long time, chasing her. Uh, she hides in, like, a playground um, where they're like scoping, scoping her out, like trying to find her. Um, but then she sees a cop and she assumes she's safe. But guess what, Shane? It's the maniac cop. It's she's not safe. Yeah. So she like runs up to him and she's like, yeah, I was being robbed by these two Puerto Rican guys. Um, and then uh, which I only bring that up because at this time in the 80s, there's like a huge thing about like Puerto Rican, like, well, they're not even immigrants because Puerto Rico is part of the United States. But I feel like that it's such a like the fact that they chose to have them be Puerto Rican, like teenagers that were mugging her is like a deliberate, like political choice. So, yeah. So then, you know, obviously the maniac cop like picks her up by the neck and then like just snaps her neck is crazy. Like, like I said, he didn't need that gun. He has he has monster hands. So um, they, they those guys were hiding and they watch it happen. Uh, but then the next day, of course, the those two guys are in custody and they're trying to claim it was a cop. Um, but the cops like, yeah, likely story. Yeah, we're arresting you guys for it. Then we go to the medical examiner's office, which has a very long, dark corridor, like almost like I was like, is there going to be like some scenes in this where there's going to be some like murder happening? No, this is a creepy, long corridor that we're only going to see once and never again. And you hear power tools like constantly going off. <laughs> what's going on in this in this medical examiner's office um and of course one of the two guys walking in is tom atkins and he's with another detective named lovejoy who will never come up again and i'm gonna try to Not call true. oh no he will come up again and and be like really terrible being a cop yep. um yeah so i'm gonna try to call tom atkins character by his name which is mccray but i do keep calling him tom atkins in my head so i'm probably gonna call him tom atkins <laughs> Tom Atkins in your notes. <laughs> no, I have McRae actually. No, see, I was, I'm trying to do it right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the medical examiner is just giving his like, you know, like de description of the cause of death, kind of like flippantly, <laughs> not a lot of respect for the dead from this guy, but I said that her neck was snapped. Like she was hung and then what her larynx was crushed. Yeah. And then they would get a moment where McRae recognized her because uh, he would go to the bar. He goes to, he's often drinking. If he's not cop, doing cop stuff he's drinking it's very funny so yeah he said she had the best jokes and he encouraged her to try to 
auditioned for what he called a comedy joint. I don't know what that means, but like that's what he said she should try out for. And that's when Lovejoy is like, then you should be, you know, all the more willing to, uh, you know, to bring this to a close because like Lovejoy really wants to like put it on these like Puerto Rican kids. Um, yeah. But McCray like points out like look at the hematomas or whatever on her neck. There's no way that those kids did this. Like look at the size of the wounds and stuff like that. And there's actually kind of an interesting situation because McCray says something like, like what it was like you were probably so scared and then you saw a cop and you thought you were safe or whatever. And right. it's like oh so yeah we like the one thing that I love about um pretty much any time that you have a cop played by Tom Atkins is he's gonna be my favorite character in that movie. Like I talked before about Night of the Creeps, but his character Night of the Creeps is probably one of the best characters in like horror cinema. He's so good. Like every time I think he's going to mess up, he actually knows what's going on. It's like, oh, yeah, because in like lesser movies, the incompetence of the cops is a big part of it. And you get that from like the commissioner and from the captain and other there are other cops who are very incompetent in this. But like not Tom Atkins. No, hell no. Like he is on it, man. He's so competent, which is just like, yeah, this is not what you expect from like the the template of like a bumbling keystone cop type person. Anyways, next victims. There's a lot of series of just basically like uh, cutting to Tom Atkins investigating and then cutting to another murder, especially in these opening like scenes. Uh, so the next victims are a young man and woman who are in a car drinking and driving. Shouldn't be doing that. Uh, they were talking about how they just closed out of the club they were at. Um, and the guy is so distracted by the, the, the lady that he almost runs a red light. But luckily, uh, they stop, or unluckily, because then, like, a cop comes and knocks on the window. And they have to, like, hide the beers they had out, which, you know, let me tell you, not too slick. So the cop, like, uh, has, beckons the, the dude over to the front of the car, which, again, like, you know, he probably deserves to get arrested. It seems like he's drinking and driving, but it's not also, it's also not a capital offense. Um, so the cop, uh, while the dude's, like, doing a uh, sobriety test, uh, the cop, like, and this is pretty slick. So he has his baton, right? And he has it behind his back so that the woman can see it, but the guy can't. And he, like, pulls, like, that long blade out of the baton. Mm -hmm. And then, like, she sees this happening and, like, tries to scream to warn him, but it's too late. He, like, cuts the dude's throat and, like, chucks her onto the windshield. But then, like, actually allows her to move to the driver's seat and drive off. So she's able to get away. Um, And then when McRae, the next scene is, like, McRae going to meet with the commissioner. Richard Roundtree and uh, commissioner wants to kind of like assume that this can't be a cop, that they're just trying to discredit the police force and stuff like that, which it seems like McCray is in agreement that the murderer wants witnesses because he allowed the woman to get away. But right. McCray is like, yeah, but like um, there's a lot of like, if we don't have a suspect list that is cops, then it's just a, you know, white male of X height or whatever. It's like, we're nowhere. So the commissioner seems to kind of agree with that, that they'll start looking into like, what is it? People's evaluations and stuff like that. But then the yeah, commissioner, like, evolves. yeah. And, but then the commissioner gets like really out of pocket because he's like, so when was the last time you were evaluated? And McCray's like, anytime commissioner, like whenever you want. And then the commissioner commissioner brings up like a suicide attempt that, that like McCray made. Cause he apparently like lost his partner a number of years ago. And like at the time he like may or may not have attempted suicide or something like that. And then, <laughs> it was a weird plot point because it never comes up again. It never does. And it really just feels like the commissioner just was trying to like get McCray off the case. He just wants right. to like kind of throw him off. But like McCray's not having it, dude. He, he knows what he's about. So like, what is it? The commissioner's like, like, uh, like you don't even smile much anymore, you know? Cause he's like, oh, uh, I love this scene. And then, he, and then like 
Tom Atkins like forces the smile, like this awkward smile on his face. It's so, it's so good. It's so funny. Oh man, I love that. That's so good. Like, what a character. Um, uh, but now we got to get to another victim because you know we had our we had our cop cop drama. Uh, there's an older man who's a musician. It looked like it was an instrument case for like a, a trumpet or something. Um, or I could be wrong. I actually probably can't identify what the instrument is based on the case. Uh, but he's going to his car, so he goes to put the instrument in the trunk, and then but then when he goes to open his door, he's handcuffed so fast. Yeah, so fast. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Like the maniac cop must have been practicing that move, dude, because he like he cuffs him up. But then, like, the dude turns around and then sees that Maniac Cop is about to pull out his blade. He's like, well, I'm not standing here and waiting to get stabbed. So he just starts running with his, like, hands cuffed behind him. And he's, like, bleeding because, like, the handcuffs are, like, you know, like, cutting up his, yeah, cutting up his, like, wrists and stuff like that. Um, So he's, like, he's, like, on the run. And he tries to go, it's, like, one of those New York moments where he goes to, like, an apartment building. He's, like, using his nose to, like, ring all the buzzers. And people are just, like... Yeah, get out of get lost, buddy. Like, get out of here. It's like this man is in peril. <laughs> so, but you know, so it's New York. You got to do it that way. Um, and then he doesn't see Maniac Cop by his car anymore. So he's like, oh, I'm gonna run away. May I'll get away from Maniac Cop. He's not gonna get away from Maniac Cop, Shane. He's gonna get caught. And what is it? He like falls and like lands kind of almost in like some wet concrete. Which, which by the way, he, he trips he, over the frame and land, he, yeah, yeah, he, he trips. lands face first into the concrete. Yeah, which by the way, why is there wet concrete in the middle of the night? That doesn't make sense. Okay, but then he he falls and then like maniac cop gets there and like basically like smothers him in the wet concrete, like pushes his face down in there, and then it's a cut, instant cut to jackhammers breaking apart the yeah, the concrete so in order to get the guy's body from there. And they just cut to a bar where McRae is hanging out. So it's like literally <laughs> they just gave us the scene of them like breaking up the concrete to be like, hey, by the way, you know how we had to get this guy's body out of here. So, yeah, so McRae is at this like he's hanging out with um, a blonde woman at a bar um, and she's uh, apparently a, like a news personality. Like she does like evening news and it seems yeah. like they might have a romantic history or something. Um, but he's like, you know he orders them some beers and starts explaining to her that people need to be warned because there is a cop that's basically capitalizing on people's like trust in the police to kill people, to kill innocent people. So he wants her to get the word out and gives her like the exclusive or whatever. Cause it was kind of weird. Cause she's like, Hey, thanks for this. He's like, now you don't have to thank me. Just get the word out. Um, Oh, Oh. And she, she does a title drop. Do you remember that? Yeah. She's like, oh, maniac cop. Like, that's a that's a headline or whatever. And then we get a voiceover explaining, you know, like the it's basically the news report of, um, you know, uh, there's a cop and like the commissioner and like the mayor's office. were trying to keep this under wraps or whatever. Um, But of course, we have to have a scene where like there's like actually a downside to like letting the public know just some lady with like a broken down car. It's like all smoky. And then she's panicking because she sees a cop uh, pull up behind her with his lights on and everything. And whenever the cop walks up to her car, she can't get her car to start. So she just takes out a gun and shoots him through the. Yeah, she blasts him through the window and hits him in the head. It's like, I don't know, man, like any cop training that I know about, when you see someone fumbling around with something while you approach, you usually do it with a little more caution. But doesn't matter he's dead and like the commissioner is mad because he's like 
this is gonna happen people are just gonna any excuse to kill cops it's like maybe he's right but you also like can't really keep a story like that from out like it would have probably been better if you were straightforward about the story from the beginning right instead of making it seem like it was a conspiracy um and then someone from city hall is complaining about tourism being down because of course it's the jaws effect everyone has to complain about tourism i uh, and i think it's the mayor i thought it was someone from the mayor's office but i think it's supposed to be the actual mayor and then what was it like the captain is there the the one police captain and he's talking about how they're trying to do a lot of like stings and stuff like that but they can't seem to uh find the guy and that's when they think oh maybe somebody from the department is feeding him information implying that they they're starting to get the idea that this could actually be a cop uh because they were kind of pushing back against that. i think i mentioned it earlier the commissioner was pushing back against the idea that it could be a cop um yeah so anyways then we cut to a lady uh who's now taking uh newspaper clippings about maniac cop stories and putting them into a scrapbook for some reason and that woman is uh whatever mrs forrest i can't remember what her name is but it's jack forrest as played by bruce campbell it's his wife um so she's suspicious of him because he goes out at night a lot and they seem to be having marital issues uh based on the conversation they have which is almost entirely about their marital issues um she's pretty disturbed um she's depressed um they were going to therapy but she wanted to stop um she's just really suspicious of him so and then as soon as like jack leaves the phone rings and there's a woman's voice on the phone saying that jack is the maniac cop and he's going out to kill again tonight so this is like another person who's been making jack's wife all the more paranoid yeah so his wife goes into her drawer and pulls out a little tiny pistol and goes out to follow her, you know, would be murderer husband. So yeah, Jack is going to a hotel. Hmm. What's this now? Um, and then obviously you know what it is. He's having an affair. Like it's clear, but not to his wife. Uh, she goes and she goes to the, uh, the main office and just gets a key to his room. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, it's like, man, the 80s, like you just get a hotel keys to anything. Yeah. <laughs> Which that was the director, by the way, the hotel manager there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it turns out that Jack is having an affair. And the other woman is our female lead, which is uh was Officer Teresa Mallory. So what was it? Jack's like, yeah, I didn't want you to find out this way. Whoopsie. So like he's like <laughs> Weird, like trying to play this off in a weird way, but his wife takes out her gun. And I was like, oh man, she about to kill them. But then she knows she runs away. Uh, but of course, as she's walking by a van, she gets grabbed by the maniac cop. Um, cut to the next day. Housekeeping is knocking on the door of the hotel room. Uh, she opens it to find that there's a lamp that's been knocked over. So she says they've been partying, even though it was just a lamp. But then she finds Jack's wife. Her throat has been slit. And the maid screams. It's actually kind of a gruesome shot, too. I didn't expect to, to see that. But here we so are. Like, I, I know they they hint at why Bruce Campbell was chosen. But did they ever, like, specifically say, like, what? Because, you know, Matt has a vendetta, obviously. But he, he yeah, he absolutely seems to hate Bruce Campbell's character. And, yeah, I have no idea why. Like, it's never made clear well, why. McCray, McCray hints that it's like look you fit the description almost to a t 
and he kind of looks like him a little bit with like the jawline and the like the size like height that um, that was the only thing i think is like he is tall yeah. like taller than average um and both the both uh robert zadar and uh bruce campbell have a nickname which is the chin because they both have very distinctive chins but that's like the only thing i can think of is he just like is close enough but like the thing is like robert zadar is massive dude like no one would ever mistake them but uh, yeah i i think that that's why it, but like the amount of work that had to go into it because it's implied that um that uh his wife had been getting calls from that woman for a while like yeah. since the murders began so it's like that much time put in to you know setting up this conspiracy into play like it seems almost wild how much work they put into that okay so i have a theory mm -hmm. and it's gonna involve some spoilers so buckle up folks so buckled up are you buckled i'm buckled okay so the wife was getting calls for a while right true and then we know it's from sally we do know it's from sally yes yep okay sally was matt's girlfriend facts but Sally also has like a very close relationship with a lot of the female officers on the force. Yes. Yeah. That's what we find out when we first introduce Sally Nolan uh, later on in the movie here. So I think that Sally chose Bruce Campbell's character, Jack, because she didn't like that. He was with Teresa and cheating and running around on his wife. Oh yeah. So, because I think she, because the whole her whole motivation is because she still loves Matt, right? Yes. Yes. So I think like they made those four characters like mirrors of each other. So it's like Jack and Matt, and then Teresa and Sally. So Bruce Campbell and and Robert Zadar, and then uh, Lorraine Landon and uh, Cherie North. So I actually do like that idea because. Yeah, because it, it, the affair is literally the thing that is able to hang like what they hang a lot of the conspiracy on Bruce Campbell with. So if that right. affair hadn't been happening, then they wouldn't have been selected. And it's Correct. implied that like Sally doesn't want uh, doesn't want uh, Mallory to get hurt. Like she she um, when she finds out that she was attacked, she's like relieved to hear that she's OK because she didn't realize what Matt was planning to do. So, yeah, I right. like that theory. I think that that's yeah. true. I think that's what, I think that's what happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Good theory. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, broken, one good one here and there. Yeah, it's gonna say a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, unless you change the hands. <laughs> or if it's a digital clock and then it just says twelve. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh yeah, so it's roll call at the police station. Uh, Jack is called, uh, called out by the captain, uh, who explains to him that his wife is dead, but is doing it in a way that's like. Like he's already building his case against him because uh, Jack says something like, um, it's like, uh, is it, did my wife call you? Like, um, I would have thought that her first call would be to lawyers, not to you. And he's like, oh, so you guys were having marital troubles then. He's like, stop, stop, stop talking, Jack. You're getting yourself, you're getting yeah, yourself badger, in trouble. Badgering the witness or uh, was it or leading, uh, leading. <laughs> yeah. Leading. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the captain, then, uh, they, we get to, what is it? It's they're getting, um, and there's an interrogation room. You got McCray, you got the captain, you got Jack. Uh, they have the wife's like little scrapbook diary where she like explained that she believes that her husband is the maniac cop. Um, Jack says that he does have an alibi because he's seeing someone, but he doesn't want to reveal who it is. Um, 
So obviously it's a fellow police officer. It could hurt her career. A lawyer comes in and sends away the captain McRae. Uh, the lawyer is so bad at lawyering. He wants Jack to take a like a temporary insanity plea. Like, right. Hey, you know, sometimes stuff happens. Like sometimes you just get so mad. It's like, you're the worst lawyer of all time. Uh, but of course, then we have to cut to a bar because McRae needs to have a scene that doesn't involve police work. So it's got to be at a bar with him and him and the, and the captain watching a news story where citizens are just basically being asked about like their opinions on the police, like whether or not they can trust the police. And I thought there was one really interesting one with uh, with like a, a, a young black man. And it literally could have been now. Like the things he was saying were just yeah. like, yeah, just like it's amazing how like some of the things that they're talking about in 1988 are still here now. He's like, yeah, they'll claim that you had a gun. They'll claim that they saw something shiny and had to make a make a reaction or whatever. And it's just like, um, what was it? He's like, cops like killing. That's why they become cops. This is kind of like interesting that like some of the things that like some of the things that those people were saying, like seem to echo with like current the current political climate. It's just kind of funny. Um, yeah. yeah. But then the uh, was the captain uh, says says something about how he knew a guy once who killed a bunch of people and then killed like somebody who he's actually targeting in order to like obfuscate the fact that he was actually just targeting one person, mm -hmm. implying that he thinks that Jack did all the murders in order to try to cover up the murder of his wife. Which again, if he was trying to do that, like he did a terrible job of it because they suspected him instantly. But um, but of course. Like I said, like every opportunity there is for McRae to almost misstep, he doesn't. And he's like, I know Jack's being set up. And he's definitely trying to uh, trying to protect somebody. He's like, he makes so many like, like correct logical leaps. It's like, oh, like I was expecting him to be a little less confident, but he's like very much there. Like he knows he's like, yeah, he's being like set up to take the heat off the real killer. And he's covering up for somebody else who he doesn't want to get in trouble. And then like they have like this weird exchange where the captain's like, you're a cop. And McCray's like, I'm fucking A, I'm a cop, what are you? And the captain's just like, fuck you. And that's like the end of their conversation. It's like, is that your superior officer? <laughs> like, it's just super funny that they like had that exchange. Um, so yeah, yeah. So now McCray is now back in Jack's cell, uh, explaining to him that somebody in the department must have known about their affair in order to set him up. Um, and then that's when Jack reveals to him that Mallory is the person he's having an affair with. Um, you know, and then what was it? Uh McCray's like, well, so you kept that secret pretty well. And he's like, well, apparently not, because uh, the maniac cop knew about it. Uh, and he explains that, like, she's, um, you know, an expert shot. And he's, like, not worried about her at all, even though that's the idea is McCray's like, they're going to take out your alibi witness so you don't have one. So he explains that she's on duty tonight. And she's like, what, working vice? She's, like, undercover as a prostitute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which was weird, because the first dude that, like, tries to pick her up, she basically implies that she's a cop so that he will leave. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think he figured it out. I yeah. She didn't, she didn't want to blow her cover. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So he kind of figured out that she was a cop or I don't know. It seemed yeah. like she was like implying that she was one to him. Um, but anyways, he goes away. So she goes into the alley in order to have a cigarette. And then the maniac cop is there. Um. And McRae's on the way. He's in his car, like driving around like the club where Mallory's supposed to be working. And one of the prostitutes says Frank to him. I was like, do they know him? I mean, I guess he, yeah. is, he is like a distinctive dude. Like not no one, no other person on earth looks like Tom Atkins. Like you would pick him out. So like maybe that's it. Um, 
but yeah, so uh, Maui's trying to explain to Maniac Cop, believing him to be a regular cop, not a Maniac Cop, tries to explain that she's on duty, but he doesn't care because he's a Maniac Cop. So he grabs her by the throat, and then like what she, she he kind of like knocks her down, um, and he goes to take out his uh, club knife, um, but then Mallory just starts blasting, and then McCray, hearing the blasting, then shows up and also starts blasting. So they're just both blasting. Um, and this is kind of an interesting moment because maniac cop uses his knife to to cut uh tom atkins hand so that he stops shooting at him and the reason it's interesting to me is because that's how i realized that tom atkins is left-handed just like me yeah <laughs> so, and me yes yes it's, yes yes because like later on he's trying to write but he can't because his hand is like all he apparently has like 17 stitches in it or something um so yeah uh yeah maniac cop uh is now gone and then of course where are they at <laughs> they're in a bar because <laughs> anytime anytime McCray has to take anybody anywhere he's gonna take them to a bar uh so mallory is like it can't just be bulletproof vest because she's like saying she hit him in the face like twice and thinks that he might she seems to think that he's like a ghost or like a like a re- revenant or something because she mm-hmm. says that she could feel how cold his hands were even through his gloves yeah um and McCray's is over here drinking whiskey. What is it? And then it's last call, and McCray orders another round of doubles. <laughs> like, man, McCray, you are a hard drinking cop. Like, what is going on? So, what is it? Uh, yeah, McCray's telling her that uh, someone else must have known about the affair to set to get the setup drop to work because it's just fitting together too well. And then that's when uh, Mallory explains Sally Noland is like a den mother to all the female officers. And she told her about the affair. So that's when what you said kind of makes sense then that like, that was why Jack was selected. Yeah. Um, I think she chose him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, McCray is like, I'm going to uh, have Mallory, have you hide at my apartment for safekeeping explains a very like detailed way. He's going to alert her when he's the one there and not to open the door for anyone, but him. It was kind of a weird moment. Cause she's like, I thought you were going to keep me company. He's like, no, I'm going to do cop stuff. It's like the guy's got the riz, man. I mean, apparently, I mean, I think he does. Got news anchors. I know. Like, that's what was funny is like, it's it, like Tom Atkins is just like, yeah, this lady wants to hang out with him. He's like, nah, I'm going to drink another double whiskey and go do more police work. So- yeah. <laughs> got a, I got a job to do. Let me just throw these four drinks back. Yeah. So toss back another, another double whiskey here real fast. Um, Cause that's what she says. So she's like, you trying to get me drunk or something like that. He's like, nope, I'm trying to get me drunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, my job. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is when uh, I've I put in my notes. Yo, hold up. Is Tom Atkins left handed because he goes to like the sign in and he goes into the clerical room. Uh, and uh, it's so funny because you can tell Sally's coming because she has her like foot in like a boot. So mm-hmm. it's like you she hear like thump, drag, thump, drag, like on her way over. And he's just like standing there watching her walk around the corner. Um, and then he, she assumes that he's there for some kind of like, you know, clerical thing. Cause that's where it's at. And uh, she explains that the computer is down and they have like kind of an interesting, weird um, exchange. And this is where we kind of find out that um, she didn't know what all Cordell was up to. Uh, because he's, he explains like, oh, you know, Sally, we have a friend in common and it's Mallory and she was attacked tonight by the maniac cop, uh, you know, trying to get like kind of bait her into 
like revealing something maybe. Um, but what he actually baits her into is like, you know, going to talk to the maniac right. cop. So, yeah. So, you know, no, like Sally's clearly troubled by the knowledge that, you know, Mallory was attacked. And as soon as uh, Tom Atkins leaves, uh, she heads out to go meet him uh, to meet the maniac cop. And of course, Tom Atkins is there and ready to follow. That's just how he does it. He's such a good cop. Unfortunately, he's not a very good airplane. <laughs> Which will spoiler alert for what's going to happen to him. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Sally goes to like, it was like a peer. They never really explain why he's so obsessed with this peer, by the way. So I thought it was because he knew it was getting torn down. Just, oh, it was, so it's it just like the convenience of a condemned place. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. So yeah, but like once Sally gets there and goes into the the actual warehouse and stuff like that, uh, McRae like wisely ditches the car and goes on foot because he's so good at this. He's so good at being a cop. Um, Sally's uh, talking to the maniac cop about how uh, he should be able to get to the mayor and to the commissioner since they believe that uh, you know Jack is the murderer. Uh, but she also says she thought you know I thought you'd be killing junkies and dealers. I don't think you're going to be killing innocent people and stuff like that. Um, but then. Uh, of course, probably from those like four ounces of whiskey or whatever, McRae knocks over a board while he's in the shadows <laughs> observing, which which Sally just starts shooting. Yeah, like out of nowhere. Like <laughs> yeah. boo 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 boo. I'm like, holy shit. It's and like she didn't even see it. Yeah, there's like a cat jump scare like, noise. Oh, I thought, thought I saw something. Like, yeah, she's like, Oh, so I guess I must be jumpy. She turns around and maniac cop is gone. Yeah. So I thought he I thought he was gonna actually like come out and attack uh mccray here but he he doesn't and uh, mccray actually has a weird run-in with with a security guard <laughs> like the security guard comes out and then he like goes to like sh- like he takes his gun out and pulls it on the security guard He's like oh man what are you doing like is this very funny moment but like kind of pointless like i didn't see what the the point of that entire exchange was um and also where was that security guard earlier when like that lady was firing her gun eight times <laughs> Yeah, really. And like, he would have just pulled his badge out, badge out and been like, hey, like, uh, piss off. Right. Yeah, exactly. But said he makes up this crazy, like, oh, I was out here taking. Good yeah, I was out taking a leak. He's like, what's what's become of the yeah. city? A man can't even take a leak anywhere anymore. I'm like, oh, what a weird, like, what a weird, like, hill to die on. That was. What a, what a weird law to break, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Um, yeah, because he could have just been like, I'm a cop. I'm allowed to be here. Like, I'm allowed to do what I want. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, now McCray is going to be in the records room. Uh, looking at all of these, like Matt Cordell, uh, the maniac cop, like um, uh, newspaper clippings, which are mostly about him killing people. Yeah. This is like Cordell shoots rapists, like Cordell kills like mafia people. Like he's just out there, like killing people. And, uh, and it's just so funny that all these newspaper stories are about that. And like the other cop that McRae's hanging out with is like, oh, yeah, good old shoot first, ask questions later, Cordell. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it sounds like this dude was a bad cop before he was a maniac <laughs> but then again they, they're kind of like ah he got railroaded because of the politicians because of all the rights violations and it's like such a funny idea that they're like it's the politicians that did this to him it's like it sounds like it's his excessive force use that did it it's, it's not the hundreds of murders yeah it's not the mountain of corpses he left behind uh but yeah so then allegedly he died in prison um and then that, there's kind of a funny exchange where like that one cop is like, uh, he was one of a kind. And then McCray's like, he still is. And he's like, what was that? And he's like, nothing. <laughs> it's like really funny. He's like, of course, Tom Atkins just has to get a little jab in there to you'll prove he's the later. smartest guy in the room. <laughs> well, sorry, what'd you say? I said, you'll see later. I don't know. 
No, the guy's like, wait, what did you say? It's like, well, he will. I mean, if he was in the station yeah. like later, like he, he definitely would have. Um, and then here's kind of an interesting situation. So, like, the maniac cop is like laying down in an alley near the pier, uh, remembering about the time he got sent away. And there's like a scene of like the judge banging the gavel like way too many times, <laughs> and like rhythmically to like the sound of the of the of the music. Uh, and then there's just long shots of like, you know, Cordell being walked into prison. All the inmates are looking at him and they're like pointing at him and, and everything. So it's like, clearly they want to, they want to kill this guy. They want to kill the, the maniac cop before he's a maniac cop. Um, and this is the scene you were talking about earlier where he has like the shower fight scene where he's attacked by like four different dudes. Yeah. He's actually like holding his own for a really long time mm-hmm. uh, until one of the dudes, like, of course, stabs him in the back. And then, and then like, they take turns stabbing him in the face. Like they keep stabbing him in the face, and they do like one of those like smile cuts to his one side and stuff like that, which is why he has such a messed up face. Um, it's the it's the origin story of his messed up face. Um, back at the station, uh, McCray and Mallory meet with Jack in a uh, in a um, what do you call it? Like a interrogation room. And they reveal that Matt Cordell is the killer. The DA refuses to believe it because they believe he's dead. So McCray has set up an appointment with the medical examiner in Sing Sing to try to get to the bottom of it. Um, and then McCray just basically leaves. <laughs> just leaves like he's like, she'll continue the the uh, interrogation from here and like leaves and basically is giving them some time to be alone because he knows they're a couple and everything. Um, but oh, uh, Chad. Yeah, I mean, McCray is the ultimate wingman, dude. Yep. Like, he can't be stopped. Um, well, actually, he can be. So, like, so he's, like, uh, <laughs> up in uh, the clerical room, like, going through Sally's stuff. Uh, when she just, like, somehow this time sneaks up on him. Despite the fact that earlier he could hear her coming from, like, a thousand miles away. Uh, she just starts, like, beating the hell out of him with her cane. Yelling, like, he knows I'm not of any use to him anymore. And all that stuff. So I guess uh, McCray knows, or um, uh, what is it? Uh, Maniac cop uh, Cordell. He knows that McCray's onto him and knows that they know that Sally was his like connection. So she can't, can't be of use to him now. Um, But when Sally leaves after beating up on, uh, on Tom Atkins, she finds there's just a cop hanging from the ceiling. Um, Yeah. McCray tries to help her and like, lean on me. Like, I'll help you get out of here. When suddenly from like, a glass door like Cordell just breaks through and grabs her and just pulls her through. And how does he kill her? Is he like beat her against the wall until she's dead? Yeah. He just crushes her. Yeah. So, and McCray's like, yo, stop it. Like, what are you doing? I'll, I'll shoot you with a gun. Um, so, uh, but then at, at that point, the maniac cop has hold of McCray. He's just like throwing him around the room basically. And it's like, uh, I have a feeling Tom Atkins won't be much longer for this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and meanwhile, Jack and Mallory are meeting, um, you know, she tries to buzz to get out and like no one comes to the door. Um, so she just opens it herself and there's like a guy standing like on the other side of some bars. And she's like, didn't you hear me buzzing? And then he falls over because he's dead. So basically every cop in the station has been killed by Cordell in that amount he, like, of time. He smashed his head against the bars. There was like a mark. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was yeah. still standing, though, which right. was weird. It's how hard he pushed him. So hard. Um, and then, yeah. And then here's the part that I, I didn't want to see. So like basically, uh, Jack and Mallory separate. He's like, I'm going to go investigate. You go down. And if, if I'm not back in you know, a few minutes, then hotwire the car and get out of here. 
Um, so she goes down to the car and then of course, while she's in the car, um, she hears the window break and hears a scream as McRae's thrown through the window and falls to his death on, on the car next to the one that Mallory's sitting in. Oh, so I put in my notes, RIP to the realist one. That's the, like, we're still like one third of the movie left and Tom Atkins is gone. Yeah. Like what a weird choice to kill. The top billing, the top yeah. build main character of the movie to like throw him out a window. Yeah. He was not safe. Yep. Yeah. I was, I was devastated, man. I couldn't believe it the first time I saw this. Um, but yeah, then Jack gets out there and he's being like really stupid because he's like putting his hands on stuff. It's like, you're going to put your fingerprints everywhere, bro. Um, but then this is like the second appearance of Lovejoy. So when you mentioned Lovejoy will show up later, he's like, yeah, he will to be a bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> so he seems like he gets the drop on Jack and is playing on taking him in, um, you know, not believing when Jack's like, I didn't do any of this. But then he apparently, I guess he goes to go to the phone to call for help. And they didn't notice there was a corpse of like Sally's corpse was there. So he touches her hand and then starts screaming, which gives Jack the opportunity to like, close the distance and like, like punch him out. Like just knock him out. Um, yeah, yeah. He, like, how unaware would you have to be that there's like dead bodies everywhere? to not see an entire human corpse yeah. there? Yeah, it was crazy. Like he's he must be a terrible cop, but of course he doesn't get thrown out a window. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, then there's two cops that are coming in. Jack disarms them, and he's like, he claims he didn't do any of this. And like, sure you didn't. Like, but then it's kind of funny their exchange after that. So then whenever they like after he like gets them on the ground and like their guns aren't on them anymore he runs away the one guy's like should we go after him he's like didn't you hear him he didn't do it <laughs> so <Yeah>. like <laughs> man you guys just like are not paid enough for this huh oh, um good. yeah it was it was very good um so yeah jack and mallory are heading to sing sing to find out like the truth from the medical examiner basically going to continue like mccray's uh, earlier appointment and they remark how wild it is to like when the entire police force is out looking for him, for him to go to a penitentiary. And I was like, yeah, but just because you say something's crazy doesn't mean that you are absolved of it. Like, it's still such a dumb idea for him to do this. Yeah, even the coroner makes that joke. Well, considering that he's his face is in the newspaper on the front page because I think he just right. massacred an entire police station. Right. Which honestly, it probably would have been better for him if he'd stayed in custody at that point. Because then, like, the cops would be like, he couldn't have done it because he was in custody. But no, he runs away and makes himself look even more guilty. Um, yeah, so they're talking with the medical examiner. Uh, medical examiner. The medical examiner. <laughs> two weeks uh, in a row. Or two episodes in a row. Did I do that last time, too? Yeah. Hey, I'm walking here. Hey, I'm walking here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the medical examiner, uh, he's giving them the runaround. He's just basically like, yeah, he died got killed in prison. He wouldn't even like goes into a lot of detail about it. Like we, we tried to put him in protective custody. He wouldn't let us do it and all of that. Um, but then he, he asks for identification cause they're asking a bunch of questions. He's like, um, and then that's when they reveal that it is in fact Cordell who's doing the killings. Cause that's when he like, he takes out, he's like, actually McCray is dead. He died in a massacre at the police station. She's like, Oh, I hadn't had time to read my morning paper or I would have seen that you're on the front page. So, like I said, literally, uh, not even, Jack's not even trying to hide that he's like the person in the in this thing. Uh, so we get a flashback scene uh, to it's basically just like the the medical examiner uh, with like a bloody body, like covered with a bloody sheet, and then he like checks the pulse and like I guess realizes there's a bit of a pulse, even though he is also giving him CPR. 
So I don't really understand that. But um, he reveals that, you know, hey, Cordell had a lot of friends and they convinced me to do the decent thing and forge the death papers. But he also tries to cover his own ass. And he's like, and also, like, I thought he'd be brain dead for the rest of his life. So I really wasn't lying when I signed the death papers. <laughs> like, and he's like, I didn't think he'd be able to live as a normal person because of all the brain damage. It's like, you didn't think that the maniac cop would be able to be normal. <laughs> so, yeah. And then uh, what is it? Then they he's like, because of uh, all of my wrongdoing, I'm not going to report you. And then like uh, uh, Mallory says, like, ah, yeah, you, you just can't help but do the decent thing, huh, Doc? You know, kind of giving him shade. And then there's just a dumb scene where like a nurse comes in to give the medical examiner a green tie because it's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, well, I think they were just trying to set up the parade, set up the idea that like, yeah, because then when they leave, like um, Mallory and, and Jack are talking and it's like, it's like, oh, you know, he probably loved to be in the parade back when he was a cop. And but now he he hates everything he once loved. So they're convinced that he's going to attack the parade, uh, which they're correct, sort of. They're going to attack the he's going to attack the. um the commissioner mainly. Um, so we just get a bunch of gratuitous parade shots. Just a bunch of them. There's a reporter giving a news report, explaining that there was talk of canceling the parade due to the maniac cop killings. And there's actually like protesters picketing the parade about like prioritizing a parade over like a public crisis. Right. Which by the way, do you know who that reporter was? No, I missed it. Who? Sam Raimi. Really? Mm hmm. That was Sam Raimi, dude. Man, I I'll have to rewatch. I I can't believe I missed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a reporter giving the uh giving the news report about the uh, uh St. Patrick's Day parade stuff. It's super cool because yeah, he awesome. basically looks the same now as he did in 1988. It's so funny. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. So what happens then? Um. Oh yeah, Mallory uh, wants to go in to talk to the uh, commissioner about uh Cordell, uh since he's likely the one that Cordell probably wants to kill the most, being the commissioner and. He blames like, you know, the commissioner and the mayor, all them for his situation. Um, but of course, they she gets up there and the commissioner and then the captain obviously don't believe her. And they like play a message that McRae left about a police woman who was an accomplice for uh, the killer. And they're like, that's probably you. Right. And it was kind of funny because she's like, no, it was, you know, Sally Nolan is like, oh, blame a dead woman. It's like <laughs> we're also blaming a dead man as far as you're concerned, because you think Cordell's dead. Um, so yeah, but they basically, uh, you know, they like, we got to get to the parade. We don't have time for this, uh, buffoonery. So the commissioner and the captain like order in another police, uh, police officer to book her, uh, to book Mallory on, uh, accessory to first degree murder and then go out to the parade. And at first I was like, Oh no, what's this other cop going to do? Cause what is yeah. it that he like, yeah, he's like, Oh, and, uh, we got the office all to ourselves. I don't really have to take you in right now or whatever. Like, oh, no, is he going to try to make a move? But it turns out, no, he's just going to try to get, like, priority on the booking of her and Jack, I guess, like is actually what he wants. Or whatever. Yeah, so it's like, okay, like, I thought this guy was about to be, like, a, you know, creep. And so he's just like, well, he's still a creep, but he's like, because this is the guy you were talking about earlier, the dude with the mullet right. and the mustache yep. who looked, he looked like he could have been in anything we've seen, but he's been in nothing we've seen. Um. Yeah, I'll figure this out. I believe in you. Uh, yeah, but like, anyways, the commissioner and the captain uh, go to the elevator and they're like, uh, hurry up and wait. Right. Meanwhile, they get immediately ganked by a maniac cop. He's just there. And I think they have enough time to say like Cordell before they die. And that's about it. They, they die so fast. Um, and then we have kind of a cool little shot of uh, the, the uh, maniac cop walking. And it's like he has his bloody hand 
with the bloody yeah. knife in it, which you notice that he doesn't have his glove anymore. Did it, that like fall off at a specific time? Yes. Uh, was it when he was fighting with uh, Tom Atkins? No. Um, Sally took it. She did? Yeah, it was in her purse. Oh, because that's what uh, that's what Tom Atkins found when he was rooting around in her stuff, right? Yeah, she took it off uh, when they were at the dock. Oh, to like was, hold like, his hand, touching his hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. Good catch. I missed that completely. Um, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like that, then we found out that cop is actually not trying to be a creep in that way. He's trying to be a creep in a. I want to get a confession from you and then get the uh, booking to help my career for both of you. Like, oh, okay, right. well, I guess he's just a career main. Um, but she, uh, he says, uh, you got an attitude on you. It's like, well, yeah, you're arresting her, dude. Like, why wouldn't she have an attitude? Yeah, really? Yeah, so he, like, uh, bad police procedure. He cuffs one of her hands to one of his hands and then, like, walks her out into the hallway. But, of course, from around a corner is sudden knife. And that cop is instantly killed. And now Mallory has to drag him because she's still cuffed to him to try to get away, which is actually a pretty intense scene. But at this point, it, it was. doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, um, Maniac Cop, he respects the chase, you know? So he lets yeah. her, like, have a little few He's moments. Building to, tension. Yeah, he, he, he understands film structure. He wants to make sure that she thinks she can get away. So she tries to go towards the elevator, but of course she can't open the door because it's, it's one of those, like, two-way doors. Like, you push yeah. it to go one way, you push it to go the other way. But she can't push it to go in there because of the bodies of the captain and the commissioner. They're blocking it. So she goes into the room that's next to it, which is like some kind of break room. Um, and yeah, so she like like takes the keys off the dead cop to undo her cuffs while the maniac cop just annihilates the shit out of that door. Yeah. Like he, sick or whatever. Yeah, he took that personally. Like that door yeah. folded, man. Like I couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah, it's that like that door was in prison. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> the way he attacked it um yeah yeah so uh mallory then like in order to get out of there she throws a chair through the window and the chair like so it's like a like one of those old stone buildings but it has like a like a ledge outcropping so mm. when she throws the chair through it it like breaks through that and then the chair falls to the ground and somehow the cops being the dumbest people on earth don't notice that that she just broke a window and the chair fell out but they do notice Jack, who's standing across the street, which also it's stupid move by Jack. Why is he just standing across the street from all the cops who want to arrest him? He's yeah. like, he's like, he's the master of making stupid choices. But then like all of these cops, because uh, then Mallory goes onto the roof and is running to like get to a fire escape. And he's like, literally like, guys, look up. She's something's happening, but they, they're too busy being incompetent to notice. Like the most competent cop, it was Tom Atkins and he's dead. But so they like put uh, put Jack in the back of a paddy wagon, which suspiciously looks like a, a delivery van, um, just painted. And then uh, <laughs> and then right as they get him in there, like Maniac Cop just comes, grabs the driver, throws him out and then drives away. It's like he didn't even kill that guy. Best like, closed caption ever. Oh, this is. Yeah, this is the part with the, like, the high speed chase where the closed caption just says vroom. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> like oh man like yeah so make an onomatopoeia out of that please like yeah uh there was some pretty bad captions in this one i don't think it was as bad as um the last one though yeah nothing's as bad as that one nothing's so. as bad as demon wind but yeah that was it was yeah. still pretty bad um 
But then, uh, yeah, Mallory goes to another cop. It's like, hey, <laughs> they're getting away. We got to follow that paddy wagon. And so uh, he's driving her. It's kind of a funny situation because he's like, you know, you know how to handle a shotgun? She's like, how about you watch me? Like, all right, lady. Like, he's already taking it on faith that you're even doing the right thing here. Um, so it's basically just like a high speed chase that I think lasts a little too long. Cause it's not very tense. Cause they're not that close to each other. Um, but then eventually, uh, so she knows that they're going to pier 14. Um, and the guy's like, but why would you go to that pier? It's like scheduled to be destroyed. He's like, that's why he's going there. Cause it's abandoned. He's like, Oh, <laughs> he's like, like, the other thing is, did he know she was a cop? It didn't seem like it, like, but so she he's did... just cool. With he's like, yeah, sure. You just like get in here and have my gun. I think you she I mean? said I think she said that she was a like a detective or something, but she yeah. definitely didn't prove it. <laughs> and then she's just dressed like an 80s woman. Like she doesn't seem I mean, like I'm a, sure they had like a bolo out or something for them. So like, I guess I don't know. I don't know because like he's not on lookout for her. He's like helping her with this situation. Right. Um. Oh, yeah. So uh, what is it? The maniac cop and the paddy wagon get there and he just like goes and grabs an axe and just starts like hitting the back of the door to get yeah. to Jack. Like, he seems like he hates Jack, dude. I do not understand why it is that he hates him so much. Um, Yeah, so Mallory and the young cop arrive, and she's like, we got to go. And he's like, well, let's call for backup, dude. So, like, he's actually doing one smart thing, which is actually st- taking a second to call for backup at Pier 14. Um, Yeah, so then, uh, you know, Mallory comes in with the shotgun. Um, There's a lot of scenes here with, like, Cordell just mean mugging. Like... I don't really understand the point of that. It's just like a lot of cuts is almost silly. How many times it cut to his face and he's just like, like grimacing. Yeah. I think they just wanted to show off the, just the, the, the messed up face makeup they put yeah. on. Like the, yeah, I guess so. It's like, they just cut to that so many times. It's like, he does seem upset. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Cordell throws Jack at Mallory. Uh, uh, so she drops the shotgun and he's going to shoot them with it. But then the young cop arrives and he gets gunned down first. Like immediately the dude just gets shot right away. He shouldn't have wasted any time saying like reach for the sky pilgrim. Like he yeah. Did. yeah. Um, but then, you know, hearing that the other cops are arriving, Cordell starts to flee in the wagon. Uh, but Jack jumps onto the side of it and is like trying to overpower Cordell, who is not phased by his attempts. <laughs> like, not like every, like every single time he grabs him, he just like hits him. Like, it's like this isn't even an inconvenience for Cordell, but I guess it must be a little bit of one because he doesn't notice he's about to be impaled by a ship mast or something because like he does like Bruce Campbell does nothing to beat this man. Like this man drives his van into a ship mast and impales himself. And that's like the only time he has a line in the whole movie is him screaming. Oh, yeah. The maniac cop just yelling. Yeah. yeah. But like yeah. Th- this like this ending scene. So like from when Bruce Campbell's getting beat up before they get back into the paddy wagon. Um, just typical Bruce Campbell, like slapstick horror movie, like how his, like the stunts he does, like he did all three evil dead with like the faces. Like, I don't know. I, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just Bruce Campbell hanging it. off the side of yeah, a, hanging off the side it. of a van, trying his best and his best is not very good. Cause like I said, the maniac cop is his own undoing by driving into a, uh, into the ship mast. Was that a ship mast? Is it a large pole of some kind at the appropriate height to uh, impale him? Yeah, I think it was a mast. It had to have been. Yeah. So, yeah, he drives into the pier and into the water. 
And then, you know, cut to later, there's like a ton of cops there, like an army of cops now. And I guess Bruce Campbell's not under arrest anymore. Like they now know that he wasn't the killer. I, I don't really understand that. That was my question because it was like, I'm like, well, well, the second one picks up right there. So that that's, I need to watch that. But I'm like, why didn't they just do something like to end it? Yeah, the, it's a very abrupt ending. So yeah, they're pulling the, they're pulling the van out of the water with a crane. They get it back up. Uh, and the mast is still there, but there's no sign of maniac cop in the van. Uh oh. But then what happens, Shane? It goes, it cuts down to the water, and his ungloved hand is reaching out, grabbing the like the dock, like like the post of the dock that's in the water. Oh the no! What was that? With the gross hand. It's the gross hand from earlier. Apparently they, apparently they cut his hand up real bad in prison. That's they. People in prison hate hands, dude. Let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you. They always stab hands. That's what I've heard. <laughs> and the Dementors. <laughs> the Dementors. But yeah, so uh, yeah. And then back to the mournful theme song as the uh, closing credits play over a like uh, another like, I can't tell if it's a helicopter shot or a crane shot of the New York City skyline. Because <laughs> yeah. like I said, like the, these guys, they love their New York City shots. They need them. It's a good shot. All right. And that's the movie. That's Maniac Cop. And the story is not over because there's going to be two more of them. There are two more of them. There's also a remake, which I've never seen. I haven't seen it. I, I didn't even know they did it. I haven't even seen it. Is there anyone in it of note? I don't think so. Let me check. Yeah. So this is while, you, like- while you're checking for that, I want to prime the prime the pump here. So I had a McMurder of the movie. I don't oh, oh, think oh, it's... Oh. Yeah, you, good thing you remembered to do the McMurder yeah. of the movie because I, I would have yeah. forgotten about it. You son of a bitch. That's why there's <laughs> two of us. One of us can remember. I'm a cop, you idiot. You idiot. <laughs> you know, one of, my, uh, one of my favorite podcasts is when the McRoy brothers get together and they watch uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop every year for Thanksgiving, and it's coming up soon. And they record, and I think they're on like I don't know, maybe 10 years. I don't know. It's been, it's been years. Um, I thought it'd be funny to do like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, like every year, like, I bet like do like jingle all the way or something like one of his like weird, like offshoot ones. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm looking up. Yeah. I got distracted by this maniac cop from 2008. Uh, it was shot in less than three hours on the streets of New York city. And then up online the next morning. So yeah, that's there's no way that movie's yeah. gonna cut. <laughs> there's just no chance. Uh, but yeah, so you're gonna talk about the McMurder of the movie, right? Yeah. So I have one. Do you have one? Of course I do. What kind of hack do you think I am? I wonder if ours is the same. It's certainly not. You don't think? I don't think so. What's All your right. What's yours? Tell me what yours Con- is. Concrete guy. Oh my god! It is. It is concrete guy. <laughs> Oh, I didn't think you'd you go with concrete Dude, how guy. good is that? He just drowns him in concrete. And then, and then the, the, jackhammer. The, the gratuitous jackhammer shot the next day. <laughs> well, it's a living. I guess we got to get this guy out of the concrete, loosen it up. It's like 9 a.m. instant cut to the bar. He's drinking like four beers. He's like, oh, about halfway through my shift. <laughs> yeah, I do love how many times McCrazy is at the bar. Just having this oh, boozing down. 
Yeah, I would have loved if I could have said that it was the death of Tom Atkins' character, because I do love his character. It's probably my second favorite Tom Atkins cop character after Night of the Creeps. Um, but yeah, the, that that man, the concrete, drowning in concrete, is so like just such a funny like scene of like the entire lead up to that, too. He's like running around, like trying to ring doorbells and like, hey, get lost, pal. Like just being yeah. such an asshole as dude. He's like in peril. Uh, so good. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I'm like, he's going to pick concrete because I'm, I, I knew, I kind of knew it deep down. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I did not think you'd go with the concrete guy, but yeah, that's it. That's our McMurder of the movie. It's concrete guy. Sick. If you know, you know. If you, if know, you watch, you know. if you watch Maniac Cop, you know. <laughs> i so normally i don't think people watch the movies uh in tandem with us i think they watch them either after or like in blocks but i highly encourage you to watch this movie it's because it is it is very doable it's like it's short so it's it's perfect for like if you're getting up in the morning and you get up early and you can't go back to sleep throw this on or if you're like, I don't know, get home and don't really have anything going on. For, you need to burn like an hour, hour and a half. This is like the perfect time for uh, for Maniac Cop. Because some of the stuff we do, like Life Force, that thing was like, holy shit. That was a long one. That was an uh, yeah, unexpectedly yeah. long one. But most this of these great. should sit at a tight like 80 to 90 minutes for the most part. Yeah, max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one I literally, before we recorded, I just watched it again. I just fired it up and, you know, it was, uh, what? 80 minutes or something for this one it's not yep. even that, that long so yeah it's a it's a very fast easy watch and it doesn't really require you to spend too much time paying too much attention to it but there's enough moments that you're like oh that that's cool that's interesting what's going on here <laughs> like it moves pretty fast hey speaking of cool moments <laughs> is that the is that the transition to get into the judgment categories maybe the judgment categories <laughs> assign a letter grade to uh, five categories. They are uh, uh, story slash writing, uh, acting, effects, music, and music encompassing sound design as well. Uh, and then finally, cult factor, which is that little something extra that these makes uh, these movies so special. Uh, so starting out with the, uh, the story and writing, um, I, I guess I'll just jump into it. Um, I... You know, this isn't a very complicated story in a lot of ways, but in some ways, like the um, like if there weren't the extra conspiratorial element of trying to railroad Jack, it would probably have been like a way simpler and dumber movie. Yeah. But um, the idea that you just have like, you know, this entire conspiracy and only like one in- cop in all of New York City that can tell what's happening. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it's kind of dumb, but it was interesting, you know? Like the the maniac cop is a villain. He's like literally just trying to 
hurt the police force. He hates them because he feels like they railroaded him. So he's just doing what he can to like damage them. It was kind of funny because the commissioner did call that. He's like, I think it's just someone trying to ruin our reputation, but he's also a cop, which is the thing that Tom Atkins called. Yeah. And I love Larry Cohen films because they are so to the point. I, I don't know. I, I just like the way he writes stuff. Like, or I like the way he wrote the stuff. And hey, I like how he writes other stuff. Like Q no, I, I just feel like Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that, so we have to do that. I'm actually pretty excited to watch that. We really should watch Q the Winged Serpent. Yeah. But yeah, and Larry Cohen just has like this um I don't know, it feels like he's got a very street level view and love of like New York City, and it really comes through in a lot of ways. Yeah. And a lot of his movies, like when he writes them, like there's a there's a political bent to it. Like I said, like some of those like uh, on the street interviews where people are talking about like police violence, it like almost could be copy and pasted to today. And it's just interesting. But like at the same time, like not trying to make a comment on politics, but it's still a slasher movie at the end of the day. Like you can get you can get like a political thing out of it if you want to. But even if you don't, it's still just a slasher. It's like a big, scary monster man. Killing people, he just happens to be dressed like a cop this time. So, like, one criticism I'll offer, and it wasn't even my criticism, so apparently Bruce Campbell hated doing this. I know, so, I saw that. I was really sad about it. Which I is guess weird. why they kill he him was... off so fast in the next one. Yeah, I mean... Oh, spoiler alert, like, he dies in the next one. Yeah. But he just was like, yeah, I, I did this because I needed to. And I, I, he's like, this is a bad movie. I'm like, really? I'm like, come on, man. Like, this is. I do not agree with him. And also, yeah. I feel like he's coming kind of close to kind of coming kind of close to like besmirching the name of Tom Atkins. And I can't allow it. Now, I love but, Bruce Campbell. I love him. But don't you besmirch my man. Here, here's the thing, though, with Bruce Campbell. He's so sarcastic. So I, I always when I was reading this, I was like thinking in my head. I'm like, I always wondered if if that quote was maybe taken out of context. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe, like, yeah. Like, you know, because, like, he'll give answers like that sometimes. They're like, oh, he just, oh, I was poor. I needed to. And this movie sucked. It was terrible. But, you know what I mean? Just kind of, like, being funny. Well, it's also possible, too, that it's just like, yeah, I think this is a bad movie. That doesn't mean he didn't, like, doesn't have favorable thoughts about it. It's just he yeah. thinks that, objectively, it's not a great movie. And you know what? Maybe not. It's not going to win, uh, like, any awards. <laughs> Unless it's sexiest cop. Which is Tom Atkins. <laughs> she gave you that uh, category. Add that as a category, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so for feeling? for story, yeah, uh, I probably had to give it a B. Because um, I, I do like it, but it is at the end of the day kind of simple and almost frustratingly, uh, mm-hmm. like simple and sometimes. Um, because it's really just about like set pieces like get to the next kill get to the next event you know yeah um so i i'd probably say b yeah i can live with a b yeah all right b it is because you know where i'm gonna go with this next one it's acting (laughs) and it's a for atkins (laughs) (laughs) it's but no like i i do i just like i don't know like bruce campbell's kind of like clueless like cop characters like just caught up in these events he doesn't understand like i do and i do kind of like the uh performance of 
uh, what was it? The actress who played Sally, uh, Sherry North, like her kind of yeah. quiet desperation. Like she plays that character very well. And like Robert Zadar, you know, maybe he's just kind of played up like a silent slasher villain sort of thing. But like his physicality is just amazing to watch. Um, and yeah, and like obviously Richard Roundtree, like, like he was frustrating, but I believed him as a commissioner. <laughs> like he was see he was seen like a real dude. Like that scene with him and uh and Tom Atkins where they were talking about like, yeah, we got to try to find suspects among the police force. And he just like out of nowhere says bringing up that stuff about like his partner dying and him committing suicide and all that. Like it was such a weird scene, but it was like also weird, like tense, like, cause these are two like amazing actors, like facing off right there. So I got to give it an A. I mean, you, I, you could try to talk me down. I don't think you'll succeed though. No, I agree with you. I, I think it, I think it was an A. Um, we, I can't, I, I don't want to understate how well, uh, is it Sherry or Cherie North? Uh, I thought it was Sherry, but maybe it is Sherry. Sherry. I actually don't know. I, I couldn't, I couldn't honestly say either way. Either way. So Sally, um, when she, when she realizes that basically Matt's going to come kill her and everyone there, the manic, like, display of like like she just basically nailed that manic panic just screaming like you know basically having a mental breakdown and uh sally's character or sherry or sheree north like just nailed it i mean absolutely nailed it um, yeah her breakdown when she realizes that the man that she loved is like because she even says something like that right like it's like yeah he's going to kill me but i love him so much and like stuff like that and yep. it's just like such a moment i was like oh man like yeah, she yeah killed, she's going she through it. it yeah. Unintended. And you could see that like that even starting whenever um, whenever, uh, you know, Tom Atkins character was telling her about how uh, Officer Mallory was attacked. And it's like, oh, she didn't realize she didn't yeah. understand what it like, how far gone, you know, Matt was at that point. So like to for her to now like start to like that's when she starts to see it. And then by then she's like, now that she's not useful to him anymore. Like he's gonna kill her too. It's such a such a performance, yeah. And and I, I don't know if we covered. I can't remember if we if we brought this up, but like they, the um, the when Tom Atkins' character Frank McRae finds out who she is, um, when they said that you know basically when Matt got murdered in prison, she jumped out a window. That's how she crippled herself. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like. It, it already set up that character of being like just that deeply devoted to, to him. Yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought that was probably one of the best performances other than Tom Atkins. Oh yeah, for sure. I, so, I completely agree. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go. A. We'll go to the a for Atkins or for acting. <laughs> uh, next up is effects and I'll let you take the lead on effects. Sure. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go a, and so, I think there's something to be said about not going over the top with some of these kills. Like they could have done like, so the, the, st I don't want to say like the still deaths, but like, um, you know, when, um, Ellen Forrest, so Jack's wife, like that was a pretty jarring and they, they did a great job with that. And we saw the, the aftermath too. We saw her get right. abducted and we saw the aftermath. Yeah. 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 And it kind of leaves you to, to your imagination a little bit. Um, all the all the cop scenes where he like the aftermath of that was very well done 
the few times that you see him actually doing something, the only time I felt was a little cheap, not cheap, but like, I think they could have probably done a little better was the second kill when it was the young couple. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause like it was, it was blatantly like they had something and they were throwing it and it had the blood splatter out of it. Um, which is fine, you know? Um, and they hid that by breaking the window. But, uh, I, I, I loved it though. Like the face makeup they did for him was fantastic. Yeah. All the cuts, Um, like the, the, like the smile cut that he had on the one side and like, yeah. 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 And then, and then, you know, the scenes where they were like doing the, like someone actually jumped out of a window and fell in a car, like, (laughs) you know, for, for Tom Atkins death, like, Uh, you know, RIP. Yeah. They, they did a great job. I, I think there's better, but I, I don't think this was bad at all. And like, that's why I think it, I think it deserves an A. Um, it's not like Tom Savini level. Like if we had an S category, like the Prowler would probably grab that pretty oh, for quickly. Sure. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, I'm I'm going A. I agree, and I, I agree with you too about like not every every slasher movie has to be this elaborate thing. Like there's something to be said about the brutal simplicity of what he does. Like you know, other than like you know, concrete guy who he's running concrete. Most of the time he's just so good. Yeah. Most of the time he's just stabbing people with that big knife that he pulls out of his baton. And it's not, not like in any creative ways, really. Like I think of how quickly he dispatched the, you know, the captain and the commissioner waiting for that elevator. Like he just like stabbed the shit out of them and they were gone. Like it was just like, he's a very efficient killer. And like the, that creepy cop who was like escorting Mallory, like the way he just like came around a corner and just like stabbed him, like one stab done. And he's just like, my work here is complete. Like I did what I wanted to do. So I, I do think that, yeah, just because it's simple doesn't mean that it doesn't look good because like, I think that a lot of those kills, like uh, you mostly see the aftermath. You don't see a lot of the actual event, which can actually help because you can put a mm-hmm. lot of time and effort into making those makeup effects look good. And I think that probably the most jarring one is definitely like uh, Jack's wife, like the way she's just like all sliced, like her throat sliced up and all yep. that. So, yeah, I you agree. Know, I can go. I can go with A on that. I'm. I'm you know what this reminded me of? What's um, that? Like, Scream, where, like, the first one. So not not the second and on, but the first one where, it was so deliberate, and like that the the only mission was for that person to kill someone, right? Um, and I got that vibe from this movie too, where it was very like, just stab done. Um, you know, obviously Scream had some, some, you know, they played up some of the kills, but, um, I had that same kind of vibe. I had the same feeling. Like it was like, shit, this guy's going to get shit done. He's going to get in there and just start fucking murking people. Right. Yeah. That was like the whole point of Scream is to, yeah, he was like, like they had all the meta elements that they were using as a framing device. But at the end of the day, the deed was quick and dirty for the most part. Like, yeah. So I grab stab. Yeah, and I agree with that. Yep. Granted, a lot more times the Scream dude gets hit with a door. You remember how many times that dude got beat up when he was killing uh, people? Yeah, there's two so of them, funny. I guess. There's two dudes. Like, man, I don't know. Like, I this is how you know that I could never be a murderer. I don't think I have that much dedication. As soon as you hit me in the face with a door, you like knock me down some stairs. And it's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go home and play video games. I don't need to kill people. And we know it was all just the one guy that got hit with the door too. It wasn't Billy. So, 
Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> Stu, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Bill, Billy was a little too smart to get hit by doors. I think well, Stu was the I think Stu was the door guy. I don't know if either of them are particularly <laughs> smart, but like we get, that's another that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we gave A on effects. Um. And the next one, I'm actually gonna let you take the lead on again. It's gonna be the music, uh, and sound design. Man, I'm gonna go B. I don't know. I'm this surprised by that. I'm honestly surprised by that. I well, really thought it, that the theme, specifically the theme for Cordell, like that mournful one, was like unexpected and kind of like off-putting and kind of poignant. So that was good. Okay. But then, <laughs> but then what else? Bagpipes. It, yeah, you had. A, I just I felt like they. I don't know. I feel like they could have done so much with this um i i'm like on the fence like i'm i'm a high b low a you could probably get me to an a um you know all the sound work they did though like in shooting was great like it, i you know i didn't have any like there weren't any dubbing issues there weren't any like shitty foley work that was done honestly uh, though outside of the main theme like the main like whistle kind of sounding theme um right. a lot of that music was kind of just tonal and i kind of yeah and I, I push back against that with other movies i really shouldn't give this one a pass just because i love tom atkins so much so yeah i will say <laughs> that it, it like I, i'm comfortable with a b i do think it's that tom- the main theme is is really strong and like the way that it pops up and like before flashbacks and different times like that is 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 good use of it but beyond that it is a lot of just tones yeah, like like to me, like I think uh, when I think of music, so like in these films, if the music is enough to be almost like another character, like to me that like instantly elevates it to like the A level, because you know again that that theme was great, but and and they tied it in throughout. They they did have it kind of playing. There there were it was the but it was scored almost like a. I don't want to say like a Disney movie, but like basically like the, the background um, carried the same kind of, you know, maybe motif or whatever, or I don't, I don't know what you want to say, but um, there was nothing ever that was just like, damn, this slaps or, you know, um, like they didn't do like a lot of cool, like build up tension with like synths or something. They could have done a lot more, but. Yeah. I was actually kind of sad about the lack of synth music. I think there's a lot of times that could have worked. And they didn't really have it happen. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like outside of that main theme, like I think that was really strong. But yeah, outside of that, I'm com- I'm comfortable with B. I'm comfortable with that. Yep. All right. Well, the last category then is the cult factor. Uh, It's going to be a probably because of because yeah, uh, sure. of Maniac Cop. Because like, here's the thing. So think about this. It's a cop. But it kills people. <laughs> what wild? Who's never heard of it? Never. What a fantasy world where there's this, a cop who just kills people? Manically. <laughs> Maniacally. <laughs> so, but yeah, no. I mean, the, the, the cult factor thing exists because of uh, there's just something about some of these films that kind of goes beyond like the parts and makes it like a stronger thing as a whole. And I just think that this one, like the way that it like lures you in with like the magnetic, you know, Tom Atkins, uh, <laughs> he's he's a cop who's like just like so competent every step of the way. Like it bucks those trends of like like incompetent bumbling cops. But he's like 
also sort of like in a chud way, like with Bosch, like fighting back against like this entire system. It's just basically built to like stop you from succeeding. It's just like such a like every time that you see Tom Atkins like doing stuff, it's like he's going to do the right thing. And then we got thrown out the window like I cried. The world cr- America cried. So, yeah, I just uh, and like, you know, Robert Zadar, like what a what a presence, man. Like if you're going to get a slasher villain and it's like literally just a dude dressed like a cop, like how scary can that be? Is like, oh, look at this guy. Look at him go. So. Yeah, I got to say, a there's just that cult factor is there. It's got there's just so many elements to it. And a young Bruce Campbell, like you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So I, I'm not, I won't be redundant. I think one thing um, maybe we didn't touch on or not enough is the cinematography work they did with the lighting to hide him. Uh, I'm sorry, Robert Zadar's character. So like, you know, Matt. Because we don't see his face. Yeah. Until the end. Yeah. And that final confrontation. So yeah, a lot of the times he'd be like in shadow or it shows eyes obscured. Yes. Shows eyes. Like, yeah. Be heavily backlit and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The way that they wanted to like keep that, like, because you saw his silhouette, you knew he was on hulking man of like mountain of a man. But like, yeah, the idea that you didn't see what had happened to it. Like we saw what happened to his face in a flashback. We didn't see what the aftermath was until the end. Yeah, that's right. such a good good way to do that. Yep. All right. Yeah, well, sure. we did A on Cult Factor, so good grades so far. But the last the last section is our hat on a hat, the extra category that's <laughs> probably redundant, but like it's here. The D roll. to that so it's not just my voice and um so the d-roll the categories are cult classic b-movie grindhouse or trash which hopefully we never do anything that is trash i mean i think we'll probably end up doing one that's trash just to have an example of it but not right now i don't know i'm like i'm really like 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 enjoying my life right now i don't really want to bring it down yeah yeah let's not let's not go there yet ever um you want to fire it off or you want me to go? Cult classic. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> cult classic. And I'm going to take it a step further. Ooh. I I think, in a, so if you're listening to this and you're a horror fan, this is not going to make sense to you. If you're just a movie fan and you probably haven't watched this or heard of this, I, I'm going to put this up with The Prowler as probably one of the most underrated slashers of the 80s. Oh. And, and, and maybe in general um they did so many things with this i i i don't think it ever gets credit for it ever it really um, doesn't this one is i yeah. think it's very overlooked yep um, which makes no sense no it has tom atkins right there tom atkins is right there like literally like you have to like you have to try to miss that yeah i i don't know i yeah i um I've always had a positive 
uh, opinion of this movie. And I was like worried actually going into it. It's like, oh man, what if I watch it now? And like, after all the movies we've watched, like, I just kind of, I'm like, uh, it's not really that good. It's like, I think I like it more now. Like, like I have a greater appreciation for what it's doing compared to its contemporaries. Like, yeah. And I think that, like I said, like there's so much more to it than on the surface and you get out of it what you want to get out of it. Obviously, like it's a movie, it's like your interpretation and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. I I just think, yeah, underrated, overlooked, like, I don't know. I was probably going somewhere with that, but I did. I lost myself. I was too busy thinking about Tom Atkins. It's too busy just dreaming about Tom Atkins Uh, every day. (laughs) So yeah, so yeah, Ugh. for the D roll, this is a cult classic, yeah, and potentially like just gen in general and you know underrated, overlooked gem. So yeah, do yourself a favor, give it a shot. I think you, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. And I am gonna watch the second one. I really hope it holds up compared to this one. I don't think it will, but um, like this standalone, great. This is phenomenal. So uh, it has every trope that you want out of a eighties horror movie or a slasher film. I will say that the Tubi, like the Tubi um, transfer of the second one looks a little worse. Really? Yeah. Because like, I literally, cause I was, <laughs> like, I was literally watching it as we were like leading up to this recording and I let the next one start playing. Cause it like Tubi automatically was starting to yeah, play. Like, like, yeah, let it go. I think. And it was like a little bit like the, it was like a little darker tinted and kind of like the quality wasn't as good. Like maybe it'll improve. And that was just for like the, Cause like they literally start the uh, second movie a couple minutes from the end, like at the, at the, at the showdown between them and, and you know, the maniac cop in the, in the pier. So it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting that it looked a little worse. Um, but maybe that was just, maybe it'll get better as it goes. Maybe that was just like, they, they did that way on purpose. Like it started, you know, with a rehash of the old one, but if it's like a worse transfer, that's going to be disappointing to hear about. So I might actually look at the one that's on Shutter and see if it's better because I know it's the the second and third are on Shutter as well. So it doesn't have the same cinematography, people. So it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be that's devastating. That's gonna be tough. Is even directed by the? It's still directed by William Lustig, though, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, enough of the people are involved. So hopefully yeah, yeah, it yeah. holds up. I mean, there's no Tom Atkins though. No. That's the problem. There's no Tom Atkins. Oh, I'm sorry. James Lemo did both of these. So I, I apologize. It does have the same cinematographer. But uh the first one had Vincent Rabe um on this. So Yeah. But it's not I don't always know. it's not always about the people who are involved in the production that are the issue though. Like a lot of times like with, sure. with supernaturals. Like the only available version on streaming was a lesser version right. of it. So it could be one of those situations too. Or maybe there's like a additional remaster of the first one. So the first one is what started everything. But then the next ones haven't gotten that that loving yep. treatment. No, like, there's fair. so many things that can happen that can change why something yep. looks a little better. <laughs> I don't know. Not gonna go on a rant about that. I think I've gone on plenty of rants today. Nah. Not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. Well, speaking of uh whatever it is you just said, what um <laughs> what uh what do you think we're gonna speaking do? Speaking of transitions. <laughs> speaking of transitions. What uh? What do you think we're gonna do for our next movie, there, Shane? Well, I'm gonna let you introduce it this time because I feel like I always introduce our next movie. Yeah, you just you do such a great job, and I feel like I don't want to steal your thunder, 
but it's not Q the Winged Serpent. It's not Q the Winged Serpent. I no. now that as much as we talked about Q the Winged Serpent today, we probably should have. Let's get that on the let's get that on the docket. Like we'll put yeah. it's in the backlog. We'll we'll get there. It's coming, folks. It's yeah. It's coming like a winged serpent nesting in the Chrysler building. That's what <laughs> that's what Q the Winged Serpent's up to in that movie. Uh well, so next up at the Dark Side Drive-In, we are going to review and talk about Maximum Overdrive, 1986, the Stephen King uh, adaptation. <laughs> uh, such a good movie. Has sh- fucking awful ratings on IMDb, which I don't understand. But it, it's apparently like one of those things that like Stephen King, when he's like on his coke binges in the 80s, he like doesn't even remember making it. <laughs> Yeah, but he directed this too. Like this is all him. He directed it. This is his. Yeah, yeah this, is this is his Stephen King. His one directorial yeah. like credit is this, which is why I said his adaptation because this is his adaptation of his book. So, um, I I was actually just watching it the other day because uh, I'm a maniac, not a maniac cop though, just a regular maniac. Oh, okay. And um, so there was I always forget and then am pleasantly surprised by how quickly the scene comes up. Where the dude is murdered by a soda vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fast. It's so early in the movie. Like when that happens. Oh my God. I love this movie so much. Yeah. This is one of those ones where like, yes, the, the, the real world, like the true film knowers and the, like the industry insiders, like they hate this. It's like, but not me, not us. This is our thing. And this is actually a good book. Like, so. What was um, the, is the book Trucks? Was that the name of the book that was based on? Or the, it was, a, was it a book or a short story? Uh, maybe it's a short story. Hold on. Or am I thinking of, am I thinking of Christine? Uh, that's a different one. That's a different thing. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was loosely based off the short story Trucks. Yeah. Which was included yeah. in uh, Night Shift. Yep. Which, by the way, this isn't a book podcast, but uh, Night Shift is one of those like books that I come back to time and again because Stephen King is a master of the short story form, and Night Shift is like so many of those like are little gems, like you know, twenty page stories that just so good. So if, those uh, horror anthology shorts that he had released that were like adaptations of his stuff, Nightmares or, and I, Dreamscapes. Yeah, I think those are some of the best. Um like horror, like little, like, I don't know. I don't want to say quips, but like little horror things you can watch like shorts. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah excited to dive into maximum overdrive. Like, yeah. Uh, largely reviled by the proper critics, but it will have its day with us. I assure you. <laughs> so <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's got JC Quinn. I mean, like, the, uh, this is going to be, I'm, I'm excited for this. This is, this is great. And, and I, so normally Stefan's the one that has soft spots for movies or, you know, series or, you know, uh, for me, the Stephen King is like my weak spot. So. Oh, I love, yeah, I love Stephen King. I've read so many of his yeah. books and everything. Yeah. And I honestly like, yeah, I mean, I'm so excited to talk about Maximum Overdrive. I have a Maximum Overdrive t-shirt. I'll wear that when we're recording. I mean, no one will know because this is a purely audio medium, but it, you'll feel it in the passion I have for it. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. All right, too cool. bad. Too bad Richard Bachman couldn't get in on this, but I know. Yeah, he's a, he's elsewhere though. 
He's a different. He's a different man. He's an entirely different guy. He's not the same man, Shane. <laughs> he's not the same man. Hey, you know what I watched the other day? No. I uh, went over to my mom's and she had on Misery. Oh. And it was right at the scene where Kathy Bates breaks his leg oh. or his ankle. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. They don't just make them like they used to. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's Not all, really. That's, no, what that's do you all mean? I could think. That's all I could think of is like, <laughs> God, like, you know, you get these like Terrifier and these other movies now that are just so full of gore. But that scene turns my stomach watching that happen. Oh, so. I mean, I yeah. I don't want to talk bad about Terrifier. I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it's... no, I, I'm not. It's but it's there's a lot of gore and stuff that sometimes you that doesn't even bother you. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a different experience. But I agree. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of um, I think the horror genre is especially it's I feel like we're having another horror renaissance right now um, over the last couple of years and into now. And there's so many things out there that sometimes it's hard for something that might appeal to you to come to light. And it was actually super funny. So I was looking at um, uh, one of uh, my Facebook friends had posted a list of like a bunch of the movies that they had watched, like ranking the horror movies they saw this year. And mm-hmm. then one of them uh, that was kind of high in their list was this movie called Glorious, which is like a little like it was like a shutter, like original movie. And it's about this dude who's like at a rest stop. And he's like talking to like an elder God, like voiced by JK Simmons, like this, like a, a ancient oh, like God who's in the stall next to him. And the entire idea is that, you know, he like they, they're talking through the glory hole, which is why it's called glorious. And the idea is like this guy has to make a sacrifice in order to give uh, the God that's played by uh, JK Simmons the power to defeat his father. Who's going to destroy all reality. And it's just like in this like bathroom in this bathroom, like rest stop bathroom between two stalls. Yeah. Holy shit. (laughs) It's so, it's such a funny and weird movie. And it's just like one of those things, like how would I have ever found that if I didn't have shutter? Like, and that's exactly the kind of movie I would like. So like whenever you say like, Oh, they don't like, there's not a lot of misery type stuff like that. slow burn, like that tense, like person to person horror is like, it it's out there. It's harder to find though, because you have to cut through all of the white noise of like all of the things that you might, that might not appeal to you, but do appeal to maybe broader audiences. Um, so that was yeah. my, spiel. I don't know here. why I just did that entire thing. That seems like kind of condescending. No, I but... appreciate it. <laughs> no, it isn't. Cause like I made the joke. That's why we're here, but that's, that's, you know, we're, that is why we're here. We're here to make recommendations and, gas and chew bubble gum right and i'm all out of i was just watching they live the uh, last weekend too what are you doing how are you in my head i'm in your house oh no oh no (laughs) Uh, well i think that's gonna do it for me today uh i don't know if you have anything else you want to bring up oh um thank you to everybody that uh uh, downloaded and listened to our halloween special we didn't really talk about it we just kind of dropped it It was like a shadow drop um thank you for all the support um the sam hine sawin <laughs> so the salad sawin season <laughs> the salad season not, i know you're just doing up. this just a mess of me that's not cool yeah i think that went really well we had a blast we can't wait to do it next year 
Um, we have some other cool ideas coming up, so we'll uh, keep you posted. Please follow us on X or Twitter, uh, Instagram. I think Facebook's probably going to be where we do the most interaction. So if you're listening to the show, we're, we're on Facebook. at We're at the Dark Side Drive-In. It's pretty easy to find. Uh, go ahead, uh, follow us, subscribe. I don't know what it is on Facebook, but you know we're going to do polls. We'll have like um, discussions. We've had a couple people reach out to us on Facebook too. So, um, but yeah, I think that's all I had today. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm good. I apologize to friends of the show who I uh, am friends with on Facebook that I just like spam blasted out like invites yeah. to like to like our page. So, and I appreciate it if you did, and if you didn't, and you're just annoyed by me, sorry. <laughs> I'll do. I'll do better. Yeah, at least listen to the show, then get annoyed. So. <laughs> yeah, wait till you listen to us, and then yeah. you can understand what being annoyed truly is. Then you can send us hate messages. That's great. I definitely so. need that for my mental health. That's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, I've been Shane. And I have been Stefan. Keep it spooky. Spook em up. Chain rattle. Chain rattle. <laughs> Rattle, 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 rattle. Yeah. Broom. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Right. Bye. S- see ya.